This is Shaco Art Speak. Hey, welcome to Shaco Art Speak. It's uh, your host Ryan Latario with Dr. Gareth Blackwell. Hey, everybody, how you doing? How you doing today, Gareth? I'm doing great. I've yeah. been up for hours, so yeah. I'm just ready to do this. Yeah, T- today's been a, a, a extra special morning. Gareth brought honey buns, so we talked about honey buns uh, two episodes ago. And now um, we haven't been able to let them go. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I couldn't have, I really couldn't have passed them up when I saw them in the store this morning. Nice yeah. thing was I uh, didn't have to fight with the vending machine for them. Right. Just off right. the shelf in the grocery store. Yeah, we talked, yeah, the vending machine death. What was the new statistic you told me? Uh, 40,000 Americans every year get injured by toilets. That is a staggering statistic. So like that, that, that uh, changes my categories of fear towards uh, vending machines and sharks because now I got to factor in toilets. And yeah. The thing is, I've been. I mean, that's a that's a place I know well. So yeah, um, I mean, you can yeah, you can build your life to avoid many machines and sharks, right. but you can't build your yeah. life to avoid toilets. Yeah, you can't do it. So I, I have a hard time understanding that statistic. But uh, I appreciate you adding an extra fear to my. I just life. I don't want you being in the numbers, man. Right. I don't want you being right. in the numbers. Yeah, but in all, <laughs> but in all all seriousness, um, <laughs> a couple of things we just want to continue to give, uh, uh, you know, a shout out and a thanks to all the support, all the listener feedback we're getting. Um, all the support for the GoFundMe. We're still we're still uh, pressing to reach our goal. Um, so uh, just you know, continue to spread the word, and, and just want to say thank you for that. Um, yeah, serious thank you. Yeah. Um, also, last week we launched our Patreon. It was fantastic. So want to give a big shout out to Matt McCurdy, who is our first patron on there. So thanks so much, Matt. We really appreciate what you're Matt, doing. Matt is a true blue uh, patron of the arts. Yes. And so yeah, we're super appreciative of uh, Matt's uh, generosity and Definitely. support and interest. Yes, he's. I think Matt's come to every exhibition Shaco Art Space has had. So Matt's uh yeah, and he, Matt's committed. I think he's got a really fantastic growing art collection too. Agreed. Yep. So so um, yeah, so those are uh, those are exciting things that are happening and, and will continue to happen. Um, it's always worth reminding everybody that when we think about this podcast, uh, uh, one of those sort of sticky phrases that we throw out there is that we feel like it's important to know and be known by each other. That community is built through proximity and through knowing Definitely. and through the willingness to be known. And so I think, uh, you know, when we think about bringing guests on, that's part of, uh, you know, what we're hoping to have happen is that there's a deepening of, of knowledge of one another that uh, produces uh, understanding and also new potential. Um, it, it also helps to support and facilitate. And uh, so often artists and designers, um, uh, well, me being in the city of Richmond, one thing I found was outside of the university, a lot of artists and designers really didn't know each other. Yeah. And that was surprising to me because we're in this intimately scaled city and you just kind of assume everybody knows each other. And yet, um, uh, that's not quite the case. So, so that's, that's one of the heartbeats behind, behind this podcast. And so, um, we had the extreme, uh, privilege and honor to have a, a guest with us today, uh, Wes Taylor, um, who's a colleague of mine at VCU and a colleague with Garrett at VCU. And so, um, I'm just going to read uh, just a little bit from his bio on, on our uh, graphic design website at VCU, and then I'll let Wes add anything else that he wants to. So it says, Wesley Taylor is a graphic designer, fine artist, musician, and curator, as well as co-founder or co-founding partner of Emergence Media, a network of artistic producers based in Detroit, Michigan. He manages a five-person artist studio collective in Detroit called Talking Dolls and has spent many years scene building in that city's hip hop community, as well as an MC and graphic designer. Uh, Taylor's most recent body of work revolves around the promise of the future. He imagines that the future is his client and he is in charge of marketing for the future 
and branding its many possibilities. He previously taught at Lawrence Technology University, Wayne State University, and Eastern Michigan University. He graduated from Cranbrook Academy of Art with his MFA and the University of Michigan with his BFA. And Wes, uh, Wes is uh, currently an assistant professor in art foundations and in the uh, Department of Graphic Design. And Wes, you welcome. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, thanks for being here. And you're you're like prolific, so I'm sure already that needs to be updated. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Actually, that's actually old. I was like, what? What is in here? <laughs> is that even about me anymore? <laughs> um, there's some stuff that's me, um, but I think the part about the future. That's what I was doing in grad school. Okay. So I'm always. I feel like working with this idea of the future, but that was like my thesis okay. concept for the work that I was doing at Cranbrook. Um, you know, a couple of things that I want to add is with my practice, actually that was prior to like my main collective work that I do now, okay. uh, Complex Movements, which is the collective that I work with. And a lot of the work that we've been doing goes back many, many, many years, but it formed into like this artist collective that we move forward and make a lot of work. And I, you know, based on how the conversation goes today, right. I get into like how that works and all the dynamics and yeah, yeah, yeah. the people involved. And then I also um, run a, um, exhibition space in LA called right. Big Models with my homie Aaron Jones, who's an architect, and we went to grad school together. And we do design work and we produce shows and put out publications and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, in, a, yeah. in maybe a similar way is like Shaco Art Space. So right. uh, we function in, in that way. Yeah. You know, partnership and put put shows together, maybe like a little bit looser because we're separated by distance when we put these shows on. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there'll be other things. Like, also, I got to shout out Design Justice Network, um, which I don't think was in existence when that bio was written. Too, right, so right. I gotta, so I we got to update that bio. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the update right now. This is the bio yeah. update. The I, do have, I do have more updated bio. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, that's that's yeah. kind of it. And then yeah. more things that they'll pop up during yeah. the conversation. Cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think one of the things in my mind, uh, think about getting to hear from you and talk with you and, and getting a window into like all that you're doing is, you know, for me, I almost feel like it has to be a, a, a constellation of plot points and, and that kind of get laid out. And then and then uh, maybe that sets us off into um, the overlap the in between the exchanges uh uh, how, how you maneuver all of that, mm -hmm. um, I think is really interesting. Um, and, um, even, you know, and I'll, I'll probably go out of order. Sometimes I'm a, I'm a little disordered in how I think, but I'm also interested in like anonymity, how, mm -hmm. how you navigate, uh, the identity of it, of all the things that were laid out there. Like, I think that's really intriguing, uh, in our contemporary climate. Um, I feel like in some ways you you move, you seem to move, we'll get into this, but you seem to move in ways that, uh, appear to be antithetical to a lot of young artists and designers' aspirations, and I think that's uh, really important to kind of kind of press on a little bit. Yeah. It's rare to rare to find that, and I think critical to to know about that, right? Because you can't choose what you don't know. So until you see another model or an alternative reality, it's difficult right. to aspire to that, right? You know? So um, 
So yeah, I'm super excited to have you here, man. Gareth and I have been waiting, waiting to do this. Yeah. We're going to do it later, but then I was like, no, nah, we just need to do it now. Let's, let's make this happen. So yeah, um, definitely. No, I was just going to say, um, like all of this sounds like fantastically interesting to get into, but I, I think that sometimes with, um, a lot of folks, um, it's kind of nice to know where people are like really coming from. So, I mean, I think my first yeah. interest in the conversation really is like, how did you even get into art and design? Like, where did that come from? What was the start of that? What did that look like? Yeah. We're big on origin stories. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like yeah, we got to yeah. have like the, or like, yeah, we're, we, we, at least in this season of doing this, we're like origin stories, I think, uh, ground people in a context. And I think it's yeah. important for people to hear like, the, the the context is not always how we idealize yeah, it. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you want to go all the way back, uh, I feel like as comfortable as you. Yeah, okay. Hey, we're ready to roll, man. I'm, I'm, yeah. Whatever yeah, yeah. you want to bring. I mean, like getting in, like getting into art and design. I feel like is was a childhood endeavor, mm-hmm. and the things that I gravitated towards. So I can very distinctly remember certain things, and I was like that I wanted to do and I saw and wanted to emulate. And so like, there's a, I feel like when you talk about constellation, if I go back to my memories and think about this constellation of like influences and things that drove me into the arts, um, one was graffiti. Mm. Uh, I grew up in the eighties. Um, and so, you know, that was a thing with like seeing graffiti on the yeah. wall in Detroit and in, in other places. And I didn't really have that much of a concept of it. And I don't think Detroit was that big of a graffiti city. Right. But what I was always into was like a chrome, the chrome effect. Like uh, I always mm. wanted to make chrome, like chrome look like chrome, like going all the way back to maybe when I was six or seven, I was like, so I would, you know, work with pencils and things like that yeah, and like yeah, yeah. try to create a chrome effect. And I don't know why I was so um, into that, but I think, with that, like trying to figure out like how to emulate and like render things just out of interest. My mom also had all these art books. So we'd have these books on like Picasso and Michelangelo. And and so like my parents had like a little library for me and my brother in our room. And so, you know, it would be art books, like science books, you know, black history books and like all these books that they would just have in right. there. And, um, uh, I go back and look at that. And so I remember having these books and I'll pull them off the shelf. And I remember very distinctly like this Van Gogh book and I had some pastels. And then like, I just went in and like tried to render like uh, a Van Gogh out of these pastels. And it was like almost spot on. Like I impressed myself. I was like, <laughs> I just made a Van Gogh. <laughs> it was like, it was like, wow. And so, like, so all of those things were like maybe I would like impress myself, and then, like, I think Legos were like super crucial to like creative endeavors, oh, and yeah. like, yeah, but I, you know, just have like full rooms, and the floor would be full of Legos, yeah, and like just envisioning like building worlds and things like that was was huge, and my parents wouldn't always buy like the prepackaged ones every yep. once in a while, but then they'll just find tubs or something yep. somewhere mm-hmm. and selling, and so. I didn't even really, you know, I was pre the mega, mega kits that like did everything. Yeah, like you a, know. virtually a model kit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it had to be like the Lego version of it. And you had to use the limitations of what the Lego blocks were. They didn't like um, customize the Lego blocks yeah. to like make the Millennium Falcon, That's you know, right. back then, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that, and then I think I was really, I was really into the sciences 
as a, as a child, my my father is a doctor. Um, he's a dentist and works in public health. And so, not necessarily did I want to go into medicine or anything mm-hmm. like that. I wasn't really interested in that. But I had visions of like being an astronaut, you know. Yeah. And so like that was interesting, like trying to be an engineer or thinking yeah. about an engineer. It's, but I like just like all those things like started to mesh and like mold like just kind of like mixed together. And then when I really started getting serious about the arts was in and it was still like this weird thing because like in middle school, I was working towards going to like engineering school. Like wow. that's where I was set. Like, you know, I was thinking about like my GPA, going to like engineering summer schools, things like that. And but I remember Every project, especially like science projects, I would make a super involved art project. So I remember I was doing like a report on the rainforest and I made this mural of like all the endangered species in the rainforest. And I was like, you know, and it took all my time. Like I stopped doing the research and I just started like working on this mural. And um, it totally, I was totally engrossed in that, in that process. And so I definitely thinking about these times where where I would be really engrossing. So we were talking about like even like buying houses and talking about space and creating yep. space, like what you guys are doing. Um, I remember like going back to those times, like with the Legos and the books, but I would like make floor plans for like houses. Cause my parents were like looking for like moving. So I would always like make floor plans for like, my idealized house. You were making propositions to your parents. Yeah. You're like, here's how we can make a space efficient, mom. I know. It's... I know I'm six, but I got some ideas. <laughs> so I would be doing that, but then they would turn into like, they would go from like houses and living space to like bunkers and like <laughs> other spaces yeah. and yeah. like, they, you know, and so. The 80s, man, the underground bunker was always an option, man. The nuclear, yeah, the Cold War, dude. It was real. Man, and so I was like, I'm, I'm just, I'm being really thorough about like everything, because it's like, no, it's art, I was not projecting being an artist. These mm-hmm. are things that I was just doing. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so I never thought about it as a, a career or or a path. Um, but then I also I remember, um, drawing like Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Like Ninja Turtles was like were crucial, and I used to draw Ninja Turtles really well. I used to draw like Sonic the Hedgehog really well. Yep. Like this is like so, no, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're hitting some, you're hitting big big things yeah, for, for real. Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So man, I, so I used to I used to enjoy doing that, and yeah, man, just thinking about like the tech the, the Ninja Turtle technique of like getting all Dude. of those. Like getting the curves of the face right, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just going back. There's to something that. really hilarious about mastering drawing Ninja Turtles that are named Raphael, <laughs> yeah, no Michelangelo, <laughs> Donatello, Donatello. <laughs> like because I was into that too, man, and like getting the shell correct. <laughs> oh my gosh, like I I was there 100. percent Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, you know, just mixing all, and then I would really stay, even though I was projecting, still trying to go into the sciences. Um, I got really into graffiti as a teenager. Okay. And so that started to be a thing where I got really serious about writing, getting up, um, you know, my, my, my hand skills with like my lettering and all of that. And so, yeah, all of those things would like, if you just like went back would do this and then getting into it, like I had parents that would expose me to cultural things, museums, you know, 
art, I mean, all kinds of camps and things like that. And so right. I was like, I never like lacked in like exposure. Wow, that's big. Uh, yeah, wow. To those to to stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. That's big, man. You had, I mean, just the picture of the library in your room for me is powerful because yeah. you have these categories. Like we talk about universities being um, like, how do we connect these categories, these uh, areas, these fields of study, these fields of knowledge. Right. And there's these discussions. And yet in your own home context, that's just not an issue. Yeah. The science book is sitting next to the art book. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're, they're just available to you. Yeah, is a, a really powerful idea. No, it's just yeah. like just like casually pulling things out. Cause like just thinking about digging into it, like thinking about like the, all the novels that I read. I didn't read that many novels that were in yeah. there. Um, but yeah, I think going back and thinking about when you talk about proximity, yeah, for sure. And it was, I mean, it was distinct because like we lived in one house in Detroit, and then we moved, and then the library moved with it. But it was like just stacked milk crates. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Sufficient though, yeah, yeah, powerful, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got, you got any, you got. Any no, I was gonna say like it's a, it's kind of like I, I like hearing what you're saying right now because uh, I got a five year old daughter in her room. She's got this library and it's all like old like wine crates, yeah, you know, because we like pulled them from the liquor store, yep, uh, and it's just like stacked up with books and it's like that, you know, because uh, honestly, her books are organized uh, what fits together like okay. physically yeah so you could pull out a book that's like about like world history one about science and then something yep. about like art or like some pigeon who wants to eat a pancake or something <laughs> yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so exactly. it's uh it's nice hearing that uh because that is like i think uh, like within my classroom with the students i teach i always kind of want them to i want them to pull from other categories much more freely than i think they have than they think they have the ability to do yeah um so that's I think that's a that's a fantastic picture, like you're saying, Ryan, of that yeah, library. Yeah, yeah. But just that exposure, man. And, yeah. and then so for you, so you're in Detroit, right? You mean yeah. And um and for me, I mean I you know, uh so in Los Angeles, graffiti is a, a thing. Right. So um, you know, when I think about so I might just be a hair old. I don't know how I don't know where you're at, like when you're I was born in seventy five, and so by the time I was five or six, that's when, you know, uh breakdancing, hip hop rap um like i had ellie dream team um houdini mm-hmm. uh, i used to obsess over that album cover the the fact that this the cassette tape case was red like just in the blue lettering across the front of it with just their faces was yeah. like this powerful package form and image all together and like obsessing over stuff like that with no category that i'm even obsessing on it but these like really 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 uh powerful emerging spaces of creativity are, are happening all together right skateboarding for sure right all these things are popping off and um and and then lego like legit legos like i was yeah i mean i was like taking i was building these what i call spaceships yeah um because there was no pre-package yet uh, to like the state fair and entering them in um shows and they would just be like what is this and i'm like it's a spaceship like it's like this big thing falling apart like did you want to glue it together so it doesn't fall and i remember like and I was like, no, nah, we'll just pop the pieces back on because I'm going to break it down and build something <laughs> no, later. You don't glue, you don't glue Legos. Then, yeah, you don't glue Legos together. Like, this is, there's a movie about that that even proves the point. Um, <laughs> but, um, and I just remember, like, it sitting in the display case 
and it was the only thing that wasn't coherent to uh, <laughs> anything else. Like it just was like a, a and my parents just kind of being embarrassed. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's my that's my kid's space. <laughs> um, but like, oh yeah. So like, then you're watching like certain cartoons, and and music is starting to change in the background. Yeah. Like you know the way MTV is happening. No doubt. Um, so I'm you know I'm selecting hours of my day to to watch like yo tv raps yeah. or just general videos or talk and so um there's this milieu that it you know i think when we get far enough away is going to be real significant mm-hmm. uh to, to where we land i mean I th- I yeah i think i think people are trying to like bring that back i think i see like some of these movies where i don't know i feel like i don't know actors but like yeah. seth rogan's and like those dudes are like trying to like pull from from that time period and extract from that time it's like um yeah I've, I've definitely been like going back to that time in my mind recently and so i was born in 78 so okay, it wasn't that close. much yeah yeah, yeah it wasn't it wasn't that much difference in time and yeah i mean i think other significant things like i talk about my parents like some of the things i was ex- exposed to but also like me and my brother we were um close in age he's two years younger than me and so i think we were always like really just being creative and like his creativity was like slightly different than mine Mm -hmm. like my i feel like we are both kind of introverted but maybe him less so okay but he got into sports and is like an athlete Mm -hmm. and but i remember my brother was always maybe even more imaginative than me because he would make up games. Mm. Like, I would try to build worlds, but he would try to create games with rules to them. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was really fascinating. So anything, like, he would even, like, try to invent, like, little pool games or whatever and, like, would build, like, the pool, like, table yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. make sticks that had, like, that were spring-loaded and things like that. Right. And, like, yeah. um, and so... I think both of that. And so like later on when we got older in our teenage years, we started making music together. So okay. we started making hip hop yeah. and like he got really into producing and like we were all into rhyming and like we all crewed up. Right. Um, and you talk about like being in LA, which I feel like was an epicenter for a lot of things. We, at that time when we were two teenagers, we were growing up in, um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is like a college town, okay. which is like right outside of like, the gravitational pull of Detroit. So it's yep. got its own like thing. So you were in the middle of it. We were kind of isolated. So you talk right. about like watching your TV raps, yep. rap city and all that. Yep. Like that was a crucial part of our day. Like everything had to stop VH, you know, your VHS, VHS recorder had to be yep. ready to tape. That's you know right. what I mean? Yep. And you had to like really be set to like all this stuff was beaming into us. You yep. know what I mean? And yep. so, it was it was interesting because um that part of culture wasn't that present so from that point on like when we got really got the spark in like hip hop we were like we got to do this we got to yeah. make this but we didn't have really that many models right. and so there was definitely stuff going on in Detroit and like I feel like but what happened in Detroit was I think similar to what was happening to us is like it was all being beamed in and so we were recreating and like resynthesizing this whole thing of things getting beamed in from the west coast and the yeah. east coast and there were already like scenes in Detroit that were already happening 
Um, but I think like when those things like really started to mix up and like people in our age group, we weren't um we were starting to see things from New York and things from LA and we pro- we were trying to process that. And yeah. the only way we knew how to process that was not like which which I think was dope is people in Detroit were not um satisfied with being consumers. Yeah. yeah we yeah. wanted to process that and make the stuff and understand what we were listening yep. to and like getting into by making that. And and so it became so like a lot of things would pop up, like different crews. But we all, I think, found we were being influenced by the same thing. So things would start to like match up. But yeah. we were all remaking what we saw or trying to emulate. And I don't know if it was an emulate. We were actually processing and synthesizing. Yeah. And we would have to fill in gaps if we didn't know what was making that thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah, it was, yeah, there yeah. was a lot of like invention going on. Right, yeah. right. The, the, the gaps uh, is an interesting, interesting space, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both, we're both, um, I mean, we had a meeting yesterday and Tribe Called Quest was playing in the background. We're both, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe, yeah, it's, it's always, it's always still a part of the equation. Not, not in the same way, um, as it was when I was younger. Uh, but it's like, it's like something I can't shake. Yeah. So it's just, it's just like an, embr- it's a full embrace. Um, I'm not as up on contemporary. I don't know how where you at with that. You're not as up on contemporary. No, it's. I mean, I think there's like there's a different energy about stuff from that time period. Yeah, you know, and then like and, you know, and you sound like an old man right I now. Know, as soon as right you start now. saying that, we sound like we're <laughs> back we're, in the day. Yeah, every now, generation has it. Now, see, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, like, and that's not to put down anything that's going on now at all, because no there's doubt. stuff no right now that's fantastic. Yep. Uh, I'm just saying, like, I think that what you're describing, Wes, with that culture of like. Of like making stuff, collaborating together, uh, doing things. Uh, if you have a gap, you fill it with something, whether you really feel like you're totally equipped to do that. Yeah, right. You know, like learn as you go. Like there's there's stuff like that that like I think resonates and, and it comes through in the quality of the music. Like there's something different about it. Um, you know, like you can listen to an album and say, Oh, this is like super overproduced. It's like way too like glossy for the shelves at some store. Um but there's a different feel when this yeah, stuff true. feels like there's folks that came together in a room and they're like, we got a passion and a heart for something to be like fantastic. Yeah. Even if we don't know what that route looks like to get there. Yeah. yeah. Like that comes through. And I think that's why the music that's kind of in the background when I'm doing work is like old school hip hop. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of, well, you know, one of the things that, and I think this may, may be something to kick around a little bit. Cause I, I know that we're not here now, but I know for me, so um, my best friend growing up, um, he's a Puerto Rican guy. Um, his, they're from New York. And so his uncle was a DJ in New York. And this is pre-internet. So we would get uh, delayed. You know, like things were instantaneous. Yeah. So like like two examples. One was, you know, I, was, I played basketball. I was pretty serious about it. So we go to, um, we go to Utah for a, a, a camp. And people knowing that we're a tournament and they know that we're from Cali and we're, we're pretty good or whatever. Like they're like stalking us because they because we're ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Fashion and image. Yeah, haircut the whole yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. I was recruited to to do college high jump. I went to Eastern Washington, and lowrider trucks were out of date where I was from. Right, it wasn't a thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. I went there, and there was they picked me up in in a lowrider truck oh, because wow. that was the they, <laughs> that's the that was the best car they had in the town. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so the 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 gaps. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for huge. sure, for sure. Like you're like, and albums hadn't dropped in those places. I forget. I want to mm. say it was Ice Cube's. Um, man, 
they had a song called Wicked. I'm trying to think of the name of the album. Anyhow, I remember being like in Utah and they had not heard this album yet. It hadn't dropped there yet. Yeah, right. That's the staggering thought. Yeah, we can't yeah, fathom yeah. that now. Nah, and so uh, I, I remember getting I remember getting uh uh recordings of um from Danny's uncle. He would mail them to us, cassette tapes of Eminem. No one had we hadn't seen him. Right, 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 right. Of him coming on radio stations and winning battle rap competitions. Yeah, 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 no yeah, album yeah. yet, nothing. Yeah, yeah. And then you just go back further, like like Outcast came out, Wu Tang yeah. came out. I remember getting stuff sent to me. I couldn't even buy it yet. Yeah. And it wasn't even like a thing yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that just that that takes me back all the way. I was just like, um, so like this is a side note, but we were talking about like buying houses. So yeah. my real estate agent is uh Chris. Uh, from uh AFO. Oh, so what? yeah, so what? he's my agent. So wait, like, who is wait, wait, Chris? Who? Um, uh, see him in his, uh, what's that? How you pronounce his last name? Uh, it's Greek. Uh, okay, you know, I mean, um, but I mean, he was just an AFO like last year. Yeah. So whoa. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I so side side note, like he sought me out in the halls. He was like, yeah, you know. I mean, I just, I think just because I was a black professor, like he just like pulled me aside yeah. and was like, I want to know you. Yeah. Um, but he's like, yeah, I'm a real estate agent too. And I'm like, you're a real estate agent? I've never even me. heard of that, man. I'm <laughs> honest. I've been there 12 years. Yeah, I've never met God. a real estate agent. He's a freshman That's in, incredible. in college. And he was like, all right. I was like, look, you know, I might be in the market for a house. You know, I might, you know, give you a chance. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. That's like, that's like a strong hit. Yeah. Like, I, 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 and, and, uh, I don't think either of us would have ever expected that. Yeah, no. that's incredible. Now I was like, "Who's this Chris? I didn't I know there was a Chris over there." Uh, I need teaching. to meet this you, guy. You, I think you, I think you know him. You'll okay. know, you would know him. Okay, man. but um, he, we were talking. We were looking at a house yesterday. Yep. And we were talking about music, and he was asking me about because he's like, he's like, you know, I'm a really big Jay Z fan, so he's a big Jay Z okay. fan. And we were talking about Reasonable Doubt, and he's like, yep. "Well, what was the impact of Reasonable Doubt?" He's like, "Was that?" Was that huge? I was like, you know what? I don't know if it was that big back then, because I was like, you had to. He had to contend with Tupac, Big, big yeah. Nas, Nas, and you know, like a few other people. So yep. I was like, he didn't have that impact. And so I, I was trying to put it in context. I was like, look, Big and Pop had to die before Jay Z, thank you, even yeah, yeah. you know, could do a thing. Um, but you know, that's that's still a side note. But then I was going, he was like, well, you know, it's like you probably like Nas, and it was like I'm also just improved because like he's like twenty, maybe like twenty years old, yep, asking right. me these questions. So I'm like, cool, you know, we can like have this yeah. conversation. Yeah. And then I was going back to like Nas. He was like, because I was like, because you know, because I was talking about like Big and Pac having to die. He's like, yeah, but probably like Nas too was huge. And Nas, I was like, yeah, Nas made a bigger impact up front. And I was going back to like Illmatic. Yep. And I remember how I got that tape was from my brother. Like my brother went on a trip to DC. It was like a class trip. And they were in the music store. And the dude at the music store told my brother, like, this is what you need to buy. Yeah. And he brought it back. And then cool. like, uh, you know, he yeah. was like, you got to hear this. And yep. like, I was hooked at that point. Yep. And, um, but just going back to yeah. like these tapes and like how these yeah. things are, there's no internet. So my brother, you know, my brother was in like eighth grade, you know, and this, yeah. this dude was like, you have to buy this tape, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, that was, that was major that that tape got passed like that. And, you know, we had Illmatic, um, and 
Yeah, I, and but like there's stories like that all the time, like of like how music got passed, like right. no internet and things like yeah. that. There, you know, it, it's like yeah, it's it sets up. It, well, I I mean I thought about it a little bit because when you're talking about gaps, th- there was these gaps, time gaps, like right. actual time gaps, right, and marination gaps. So like your your time slip changes how you understand what's contemporary. Yeah. Because whoever, you know, Nas is producing this, it's already been done. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you're getting it. Yeah. Six months later, a year later. I mean, six months later, and and like Illmatic was like, you know, the process of like a longer sequence of yes, events absolutely. of like Nas breaking into the scene like yep. as as an artist. So you go back and it's just like, you know, we're looking at Rap City and Yo MTV Raps and like you're seeing all of these things um in a very, I would say, like, disparate way. Yeah. Because I think the idea, even though Rap City and Yo MTV Raps are curated, the idea of curation wasn't a thing either. Like, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. And so they were being curated, but, like, understanding, like, curation as a tool for, like, influence or for people to understand or even, like, pedagogy or something yep. like that, I don't think was that much. It wasn't. I don't think it wasn't a thing, but it's not how we understand it now. Right. So, you know, being an impressionable teenager and seeing things coming from all over the place and not understanding like this person was actually, you know, put on or produced by this person or this person. Actually, that same person Mm -hmm. like from this tape was in this video that you saw two years ago and they're just like now making their way in. But like, you know, a lot of the stuff just seems like really random until you like... And that's where you start like have to dig. You have to start going reading like magazines, and yep. then um, to like really start to get these like get, get these fully fuller pictures of like what a scene is and like how people were being influenced, yep. how industry would you know overlay on those yep. things, and like you know like these backstories, and then like later on in like age and being in the music industry, you would have like these weird connections with these actual people. So it was like coming from like Michigan and Ann Arbor, Michigan. Like I remember, you know, if you, you know, fast forward a few years and like still, this is not, this is not pre-internet. This is very early internet days, right? right? right. Where people are starting to discover our music via the internet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I remember like Grand Wizard Theodore was like, I really like y'all music. You know what I mean? And brought us out to New York and like had us like on compilations and things like that. And wow. it was like, you know, that was to me really crazy. Like somebody that was considered like uh I hate using the word pioneer, but like yeah. a pioneering yeah. force within the industry and was like, Yeah, I, I dig what you guys do, you yeah. know. Um, and that's not that's one story of like many like understanding like how the internet but I remember, like, you know, gaps and things like that. We, when the internet started to come out, we started to fill, understand that as a way to fill in gaps. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and distribute music and ideas, bring people closer to us, and then, like, understand, like, worldwide audiences yeah. were right before that, like, you know, we were um, just scrambling to understand what was going on. Right, right. Man, I got so many. I got... A million different like I got like a million different questions of like stalemated because I, I I got questions about like you know I think we we talk about a lot about like you know uh regional regional vibes and I remember going through a, a season just in in the discourse I guess if you will 
in a critical discourse, even like in, in graduate school, uh, in, in the discussion being like regionalism is bad, it's going away. Mm-hmm. And just being like, wow, like there's going to be an internet culture that's going to supersede, dominate, and re- reframe everything. But but then you know, but we're still localized beings. Yeah. So yeah. so you know, for better or worse, that that's not true in a way. You know, so like the tension between you know this worldwide audience. Yeah. Or I don't even know if it's a tension, but just the go between. There's a there's a worldwide audience, but you're still like in a space, possibly absorbing uh marinating in and in producing from a location yeah 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 um, and i think that's changed but anyhow i just i just I, we've talked about that a lot like i'm like what how do we think about that afresh having 20 years of the internet wash over us and shape us yeah because we're still like you know like we're still in a location um so i don't know you got any, you got any thoughts uh, yeah i mean that? i think music is a great way to talk about that right because yeah. you think about like uh particularly in rap and hip-hop localized styles right so i grew up on the mississippi gulf coast so we had a lot of new orleans bounce right. that was playing locally and so when i was in you know elementary school middle school early high school like i remember riding around with friends and new orleans bounce was on the yeah. radio and we had tapes and cds of this stuff that we had burned or picked up at a place bought some from somebody off the street and this stuff was playing and then i when i went to school that was just five hours north yeah. They were like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not the case now, right? Yeah. So now yeah, you start yeah. to hear folks who might be in completely different parts of the country that are like kind of co-opting some of that stuff. I mean, like, this is a good beat. I like what's happening here. This is a good uh, way to do this. And it, and it's weird because you start to get in a conversation of like, then you move into words like authenticity, right? Right. Like, how do is this something that's just used because they thought it was catchy? Is it something that was used because it came out of like a realistic picture? And are those questions that we really need to ask? But, but that becomes part of that conversation now that may not have been the case, like in 96. Right, right, right. I mean, and I think the questions of like authenticity, like back then was, I don't think the idea of like co-opting and and appropriation were the things. It was just like, were you, the authenticity was like, were you real? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, were yeah. you doing this for the right reasons? That's right. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, yep. not what you were borrowing from. Because there was like a lot of back and forth that still, you know, you talk about like regionalized and like localized, but, and I, I'm sure you can like translate this conversation prior to what we're talking about and then like bring no, yeah. it closer. To, but, you know, I was just thinking about like Ice Cube, like Ice Cube sounded like, Public Enemy and Das Effects when he first Absolutely. came out, you know what I mean? Because that's who he's being produced by that's and right. influenced yep. by. Yeah. Um, you know, as a, like a solo artist, yep. and so though you know, so this idea of like being regional is like the like these sounds with like I don't know, like pass like back and forth. Yep. You know, it's like go-go beats would be on something from somebody like somebody from a totally different region but that was like dc's thing you know what yep. i mean yeah um and then you i remember like the influence of like house yeah oh on on hip-hop right yeah. and that was yeah. that was chicago but then like everybody in new york had a house beat you know yeah. what i mean yeah at, at certain times and so i don't know i'm just talking as like we're i'm just thinking as, as we're talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. No, some I mean, of this it, and, it's, it's fertile soil and it's a, it's a, uh, it's, I mean, um, it's massively influential yeah. and, and the people that were doing it from the get go, there was an authenticity because there was no category for it. Right, so right. they had to step forward and report and make, 
and the I mean, I always I always feel like, honestly, that hip hop and rap hip hop is the and I might be wrong, man. I, I say this, I say this with less confidence, but uh, it's the greatest American kind of cultural creativity endeavor that we've seen in American modern history in my mind. Yeah, because it it. uh well, there's just too many reasons, but but I really think that like it, it um it's so quintessential. It's so it's so like um you know we use the word generative. It, it generated so much, man. Yeah, I mean it reached everybody. Yeah, it, you know in ways that are good and and in the ways that you're like kind of bummed about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean it reached us like we're like you know I grew up in a particular neighborhood where I, where you know so so like a white kid, but you know like I grew up in lowrider culture and my dad being Hispanic and like. Um, you know, and, and just the the strangeness of like what like how do I relate to Nas? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know, but man, you know, that's one of the greatest albums in my mind. You yeah. know, um, and so yeah, I think I don't even think we can fully digest the the scope and impact of hip of hip hop. No, but I, I mean, and I'm just like I'm thinking back, like I'm just thinking about like I'm just impressed with how information moved. Yes. Without an internet. Yes. You know what I mean? You and just take it for granted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I mean, maybe this is like an old conversation, but I mean, you just like take hip hop in, like specifically, and then, because I go, like, I always have to travel back to, like, figure out what I was influenced by, what I was listening to, and then, like, how in close to proximity, how and where it was being produced. Right. Um. So you talk about, like, you know, bounce being coming from the, the, the Gulf, right? Mm-hmm. I hadn't. I didn't know what bounce was until like recently. Really, you know, it's like you get the. I think you get the. Um, some of the, um, like influence of it when you're listening to like um, like Hot Boys or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's like you you under, but you didn't understand like that was a sound like you thought when I first heard the Hot Boys, I thought that was a Hot Boy sound, like not necessarily totally. like a regional, right, right. you know, saying sound. And but going back, like for me, it was like techno. Mm-hmm. And so techno was being produced and made in Detroit and like being invented, like when I was coming of age. And so like for me, techno music was like the background, like background music to almost everything. So wow. like that was our party music. You know, that's what you would hear in the hood. That's what you would hear on the radio. And I didn't know techno was a regional thing. And you know, techno kind of like jumped over the U.S. and went to Europe, and then yep. Europe like made its own claims on it. That's right. But like for us, techno was just like, and I didn't realize like it was made being made right down the street, um, wow. and because I thought it was like everywhere, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, but yeah. also, it kind of was because it was having these conversations with like Miami, mm-hmm. so it's like you would hear like Luke, you know what I mean, and yep. like a lot of those sounds were like really similar. So it's like I thought this was, but then I realized like some of this was very regional, wow. very specific. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, just like going back in time with that, and then like tracking back to what it is and what it does, and then like understand like the conversation that like techno was having with Chicago and house, and so. A lot of Chicago music I thought was Detroit music uh-huh. um, or I thought was like all from the same place. But then I started to understand like, no, there are like these very slight nuances to what was happening in these regions. And so this song was made in Chicago and was a Chicago song and Detroit was and it was a Detroit song. But the DJs would play it all together and mix yep. it all because they 
they weren't the same, but they had this like conversation. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And they were yeah. having a yeah. conversation. Detroit and Chicago were having a, Chicago, a conversation. Detroit and LA. I mean, kind of Detroit and LA. I'm thinking more like party music now. But um, Detroit and Miami were having this conversation, and the DJs were like making that conversation a thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And bringing those things together, which I thought was really interesting because. You know, I find now that like certain people like romanticize and in some ways like fetishize techno that are like really into it. And I like I try to explain to people like, well, Friday night, Saturday night and whatever night that's all was played on the radio. That's just what we heard. You know, what I'm yeah, saying? people yeah, like yeah. just like dumbfounded if they were like not like because for them, like techno is this thing that they had to like dig for yeah. and find and like mm-hmm. discover. And for us, you know. DJs could play that in a moment's notice and would like, that would be, you know, and people also, I would say when you talk about like bounce and like, we talk about regional, but like cultural ways that people will gravitate around like certain music. So it's like bounce has its own dances, you know what I'm saying? It has its own, like, um, it has its own, like call to call to action. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When, when things, when certain sounds are played and like rhythms are played and then, and, um, when I would say like that was our party music to somebody that's like slightly removed from techno where they would just listen to it in headphones, they didn't understand like that was dance music to us. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah. so like they would have a whole different relationship to it yeah. because it would just be something that they would like listen to in their headphones or would be playing yeah. in like a studio or office and then realize like in Detroit when this gets played, like that's the call to action to like like yeah. this party's about to like take it to like a whole nother yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and with like dances and things that are associated with it. So it's right. like not just the sound, but it's like movement yeah. and like yes. bodies are also like yeah. um implicated with like these like these regional things. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean you're you're getting at it. Like there's so much um dynamism that activates at so many different levels that the, you, know, you talk about graffiti as it relates to, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. you talk about graffiti, then you hear someone rap and say, I used to write graffiti on the wall. Yeah. Like, and now like the, the two are activated, they mutually enhance each other. I mean, it's, it's, a uh, you know, I said it like, um, um, for me, um, on the West coast, I gravitated towards what I just blanketly said was East coast music. Yeah. But you know, I was listening to, you know, love tribe. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, all, all the stuff that came with, with that era and then um you know common common sense with yeah. this common sense uh can i borrow a dollar like that no doubt. Just, you know and then and then like nas was like um like profound so because one of the things i wanted to say is for a kid like me i did not have education in my home mm-hmm. uh, my parents barely got through high school so in a strange way um you know, between like, like even like things like Groove Theory or a Miller Root, like I was listening yeah, no doubt, to, no doubt. yeah. So like the Roots, like uh, I was being educated because um, they were talking about stuff. They talk about you know, you know anything. You know, yeah. like you listen to Wu Tang and they're talking about. You know, I hear more discussion on like God or like any yeah, like right, 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 categories right, right. of thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. I would never have access or license to yep. to yeah. to ponder and muse and think about, consider, and so I was being given license to think in yeah. the music. So I tended to gravitate towards um you know headphone music that that like like or like not uh nonce. Remember nonce? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. I used to yeah. sell oh mixtapes now <laughs> on S C yeah, yeah. I got the rhymes and beats. Dude, I would just be on the bus. Yeah. Yeah, dude, like like all that far side we were just talking about far side yeah. look. You know, 
But um, but like take Nas, like it crystallized for me having internalized that, and then going to New York. I said this before, but it it was a paradigm shift. So I was into art at this point, you know, absorbing paint the history of painting and just like nerding out and uh, connecting with it. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I think I said this maybe in a, a talk with someone else. But the thing is, um, some of what I was looking for in painting was what I had already found in hip hop. Got you. Yeah. So the dialogue, the discourse, I was already primed for it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And no one had put those worlds together for me and said, actually, this world's informing this world. There is a kind of elitism that would exclude the hip hop world right. in my reading of art history. But I kept seeing like, yo, there's answers here to questions being raised here. For sure. And so I go to I go to New York for the first time and I come up out of the subway and uh, Nas is like, Illmatic album literally uploads in my mind. And what I, I had in that moment was the power of he prepared me for a place I had never been. He, he read that was a, it was a psychic experience. Yes. Yes. Because he gave you an like he gave you the experience of being in New York and you had never been. Never like been I call that I call that being I, I thought I, I call that like um, whatever the category of being psychic is, is that yeah. through yeah, yeah, media. Yeah. yeah, through media. Yeah. Yeah. I've never I mean, so, yeah. So like I never uh, that was like so more than I think I ever realized because I've been freed up to embrace this. Uh, I gave a lecture in Sacramento on this and people were kind of scratching their head because I was like referencing Nas's album and saying my work changed. Everything changed. All my paintings changed. Everything changed. And I was freed up. And I was like, I want to make this comes back to something in your statement earlier. I want to make work that in some kind of way anticipates and brings to bear a world yet envisioned or a place that we haven't yet been to. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, like my whole category shifted. And so, um, so for me, it's like, uh, yeah, it's massive. It's like deeply ingrained. And that was just like a singular moment, more singular than, than in some ways than I maybe have had with a, with a, another kind of work of art, like a painting. No, um, I, man, know. I told, man, I would say similar things to me. Cause I think I might've been in New York once before to go to the airport when I was like 11. Right. Yeah. And so the first time I really spent time in New York was when I was 18 and I went to like a Rocksteady conference, yeah. right? And I went with one of my homies from Buffalo um, who is actually like a major producer now, but we grew up together like in, in Michigan for a while. And when I was, I got there in 18, so I was one terrified and like all these things started to click because I was like, I got on the subway and I was like, man, I would never be able to navigate this thing. And I was like, man, this is too much. Um, but at the same time, like street names started to click. You know, buildings started to click. Yeah, bells, yeah. like little, like little doors closing, like stuff starts like, yeah. Man, so like I def like I understand that. Yeah. And so like I actually like like really got down on this idea of like being psychic through media and like how you get prepared for places you've never been before, even through like movies, but like, especially through, through music where you've experienced these places in your brain. And it's just like some of it, like there's either a major shift in your brain or there's like a clicking because you realize like whatever was happening in your mind's eye may not be that much different than reality. But then sometimes when there's a big difference, it's still like they're both as profound yep. when those things start to just land at that point. Right, right, right. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, and and for me going to the West Coast, I hadn't been, I didn't go to the West Coast until like later in life. Yeah. Um, but I, what I, what I really, I feel like I'm really appreciative of is I was able to like visit these places as they were described because these places are not the same now in no, that music, no, right? No, 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 and no. so, and no. I would say, you know, in music. Somebody could correct me if if I'm wrong and like whatever. I'm definitely down to like had a conversation, but I would say place in hip hop is not as big of a thing. It's I agree. You know what I mean. I so it's like describing place, um, talking about street names, understanding what goes on in places, yeah. and I think that's based on culturally where like people are displaced, and yes. so places not you know generationally where people may have grown up and their grandparents and their aunts and uncles. Mm-hmm. And I said, I would say in different places, like New York, I would say it's like less of a thing if you look, listen to like New York music. Um, maybe still LA because like neighborhoods are such still an important thing, but those things also shift. Yeah. But I would say like this idea of displacement has taken maybe that away from right. Right. those moments. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. somebody younger would still get these same experiences, but. Yeah, uh, they, I think, I mean, I think they come, they come around and they go. I would say like even sonically. Like the acoustics of a city, yeah. The density of a of a of, of a brick building from the eighteen hundreds, yeah, uh, has a way that it reverberates sound. Like like there's a deep, deep, deep down shaping. And so when you listen to like Dr. Dre's first album, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've been in a lowrider car, yeah, it, you like it's not a loose connection, right? Uh, the sound, the way the bass sounds when the bass comes in. Is like bass in a car, not in a club. No or doubt, not outside. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so encapsulating, and you're like, um, you know, I said that like New York made sense to me. Uh, um, the music that comes there makes sense to me because you're kind of shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm. If you listen to a lot of West Coast rap, especially during this particular era, being in a car is where you, you spent a lot of your time. Yeah, yeah, either yeah. parked out front in your neighborhood or in your car driving, and and the music accommodates that kind of space in that kind of time, or or it tends to. Uh, flow along those patterns, you know, it tends to kind of like orchestrate that reality. Yeah. Um, and and that's why I think a lot of times for me, East Coast music at back in the day made more sense in a headphone because I didn't have a I didn't have a New York City context. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing. The the acoustics were different, and so I needed to kind of like intimate the music, bring it in closer, if you will. Um, but all of those things, man. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm completely devoid of like I I, I just right now re- learn that. Um, Hot Boys wasn't just Hot Boys. Uh, oh, I always, I always, I always blame them for changing the game too much. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. I, they get a bad rap for me a lot of times, to be honest. But no, yeah. I, uh, I'll share some stuff with you. Uh, some stuff that'll be good. You'll, you'll appreciate it. Okay. Um, oh, wait, oh, you're, you're it's like some music. I'll share okay. some music with I, you. I, I'm, I'm half open. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, half, I'm half open. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like it's funny because this whole conversation, you know, we're talking like kind of swirling around some topics that I think we're we're moving towards like collaborations and collectives and things yeah. like that, and what this starts to really look like, you know. And it's like I I keep thinking back because uh, I mean, in in my house growing up, like hip hop was not like playing, mm-hmm. right? Um, my introduction to hip hop came later. But uh, when I think into like this conversation, I think of the music that was playing. My dad was very much into Delta Blues and early American jazz. Yeah, I mean, he was he, about, he yeah. blew he grew up and was raised yeah. around New Orleans. I mean, like he was yeah, like right. steeped in that. And so you've got this, you know, the Mississippi River going from New Orleans to Memphis to Chicago, which was kind of that exchange you're talking about with like Detroit and Miami yeah, and things. Yeah. Um, 
but also like place was hugely important, right? So these, uh, you know, slaves or sharecroppers at different times, they'd go to this one place that they'd all congregate and they'd be playing their music and they'd be sharing it and it'd be a dialogue and a, a collective voice kind of coming together where everything's like really playing off one another, not pushing anything aside or pushing anything down, but saying you know, like, what are the things that come together to make this well? And then I think about that in terms of the way that I even identify, even if I'm doing like severely corporate design, mm-hmm. what that looks like. I had a professor that told me like, you need to have 80% of your work be mundane and 20% pop so that it has an impact. And I, I was like, I don't know, that feels a little too yeah. like linear in yeah, some yeah, ways. Right. But then I think about the makeup and you've got like, you've got the verse, the chorus, the bridge, the break. You know, and all of this stuff, like they play off of each other because of their differences and the conversation that's internal to the structure of what's going on. And I think about that in terms of like the function of design Mm -hmm. and how that plays out, you Mm -hmm. know, and like, I don't, I don't want a song that's just nothing but just straight beat. Yeah, yeah, right. I want, I want a break. I want a bridge. I want something that's bringing it together. And I feel like these things, like it provides like a context for us to really start thinking about like, okay, in real life what does it look like for people to kind of be that music as we work together in groups, as we collaborate? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know, I mean, I have students that are very much like, Oh, we're forming this collective. And I ask them like, well, what, what is that? What does that mean? And like, Oh, we work together. I was like, how's that different from a, from just collaborating on a project? And they're like, Oh, well it's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and no so doubt, that's, no I think that's kind of a, maybe it's a, it's a good bridge between these conversations yeah, is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what does that idea of like, collaboration even starts to look like in right. a real sense. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause sure. it's tough. I have a hard time with that. Yeah. You know, how do you really collaborate? Cause I think some people just feel like, Oh, well that means that I, so are you saying be- like, uh, you're setting apart collaboration and collective. Oh, well, I'm just kind of asking the question or yeah. yeah, yeah like I is one, you. like is one the noun and one's the verb, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you collaborate within the collective. Yeah. I don't know how, yeah, yeah, how yeah, we yeah. start to understand it. Cause I feel like it's a conversation that sometimes feels a little loose around the edges. Yeah. Um, and we just kind of, I don't know. We get in the room and we're just like, yeah, yeah, we all know what each other are talking about. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, there, there are words that are actually just thrown around. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, you know, you talk about like the conversation of like what, hip hop prepared you for what you felt like might have been lacking in like painting or or right. whatever whatever yeah. discipline and I still when you talk about collaboration and collective work to me that's almost second nature just because I've been yeah. doing that stuff since I was like a teenager yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. and those were not like I will guarantee you we were doing the truest forms of and the idealized and what people want to get to when they say collaboration, yeah. when they say collective, we never use those words. Yeah, you know I what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so, like the word, yeah. the idea of collective collaboration, I don't think we would have like gone away from. But we were like, we are. It's like breathing. Yeah, we're like we're making music. Like this is what we need to be doing. <laughs> yeah, see. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think it's two things. It's like it wasn't a word. It what? And so, like collaboration and collective work were also like not the destination. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we weren't together for the idea of collaboration. Right. We were together for the idea of like putting an album out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then potentially mm-hmm. touring and potentially like being in proximity and like, you know, reaping the success of what we're doing like collectively, but cause we were friends. You know what right. I mean? That's big. Um that's big. And so I think those things like also kind of get left behind where you know, 
collaboration is really relationship building yep. and effective relationship building to, I think, the point of, and I, I think people may have different ways of working, maybe more business ways and like structured ways, but it's usually because you, you like the other people and you like are, your friends, you share interests, you share goals. Therefore, it makes sense to work together because you can share resources and like bear the brunt of like whatever is going to happen yep. in, in, you know, because, you know, I think when you get together, like to collaborate and create a collective, you realize the road ahead is like way too much for you alone, you know, or it's too scary or you just don't have enough information. That's why you get together with other people and you form like genuine like bonds and interests with these people, because if you're going to collaborate and make things, the expectation is for us like it was going to be successful. And if it was going to be successful, then we would have to be looking at each other longer in order to like reap those yep. benefits. Yep. It wasn't just to do this to like, I don't know, check the box off or like I'm collaborating. I heard this word and like, I want to do it. I understand it as a notion, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think those, those things are, are crucial, but they're like, I, I love the word collective, but it's not a word that we used back in the day. We called ourselves a crew. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah. We call yeah. ourselves a rap group. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. that was our collective. Um, or we are creating a label. You know what I mean? And those things are like collectives. Um, now, that's interesting. So one of the things that makes me think about is, is um, you know, I'm so glad you're talking about this. Like, I'm so glad you because like, yeah. I feel like this is like critical yeah. Uh, to a lot of a lot of folks that we get to interact with. I mean, just to the point, like Gareth and I are good friends, man. Like we just we can crack we were laughing in here ten minutes before we started, before you got <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being dumb. Yeah. Like we, you know, so we we actually are dear friends. Like and and that's that tends to be the case. Um uh, where sometimes you're on a team or something like that. I played sports, so like you're on a team. I didn't necessarily like all the guys on my team. Right. But, but the structure sustained the relationship to get the job done. Yeah, right. It mitigated that. But you get into academia. And there's a flow to history when it comes to art and an uneasiness about the value it has in our cultural context, especially in a Western uh, economy. Yeah. Uh, and so arts are hard to quantify. And so so now we're having these shifts of uh, sort of wrestling on this idea of like, is it enough? OK, so if it's not enough as it is, is it enough for you to be in your studio by yourself existentially staring down your your practice? Is that really enough? Is that, you know, you got people that are like leveraging critiques, especially coming out of the 90s mm -hmm. and critical discourse starts to leverage critiques that are like, uh, no, it's not enough. You need to be going to clean rivers. So you need to figure out a way to make your practice both aesthetic and artistic, so to speak, but also towards the, the, the ends of stewardship of the reality we find ourselves in because there's things happening and you're not doing enough. Yeah, right. And, and so then you start to get these academic categories that start to emerge to, to a now I'm being, this may be a cynical. So uh, to appease or ease the conscience of the person who feels compelled to make work. Mm -hmm. and, and now they're trying to sandwich all this together so that they can hold a certain personal value, feel free to do it and, and know that they're okay in front of uh, both their peers, but also a critical audience that is not necessarily their peers. They're looking for a kind of systematic approval. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I've seen that kind of drift. And so what you're saying is like, that you remove the some of the elitist academic categories. You're like intuitively, we were doing this because we had shared reality and, and goals, and and also like in a beautiful way. Re I, one thing I love that you said, man, it like gets me excited. Is like you're like 
I was scared. I didn't have enough. I couldn't do it by myself. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an incredible statement. It's like, fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the freedom to say that. Yep. Dude, that's that you cannot diminish the I value mean, of If that. I had if every one of my students walked into a class every semester and had that mindset in place, oh my gosh. we could just we, we could just blow things up, man. I yeah. mean like no problem because yeah. it's it's such a fertile space to be. And I like like both of these uh things y'all are saying, like the counterpoints. Um I love the fact that you led with like the whole idea of collaboration is relational, you know, because if we think about music, like nobody says like, oh, how do we collaborate? It's like, no, that's the central part of it. Yeah, yeah. right. You yeah. wouldn't have music without it. Right, right, right. Like we're talking about the conversations, but also like you look back at like uh, anybody from the Beatles to the Beastie Boys, they were hanging out together first. Mm -hmm. They liked each other first. Yeah. They valued each other as people first right and then they were like oh hey well while we're hanging out together how about we thing. learn to play guitar yeah yeah, or yeah like yeah. hey uh your brother's got some drums you want to grab those one day and we start hitting them yeah i mean i think like even in my life like my best friend growing up like at some point years into our relationship we're like how about we make some like really janky comic books no doubt you know and that's what we started doing yeah and so we draw stuff and it was bad you know i mean you're like early middle school you're doing oh yeah I terrible work stuff. right I mean, I but good bad stuff <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's just fantastic. And, uh, you know, even like uh, a few weeks ago, Chino shared this like on Instagram, I think, like he and his brother, when they were growing up, they were doing the same thing, right? Yeah. They were hanging out. They liked music. They liked drawing. They liked comic books. And all this stuff kind of found its way out. And nobody was filling out a form saying, check a box for your interest in this area nah, so that we can put together a yeah. very cohesive unit. It and was so that we can be organic. comfortable with what you're doing and say you've been approved. Yeah, right. Right, yeah. right. And, yeah, and yeah. all this, like what it does, I think that if we don't go the relational route, all we're doing is we're reinforcing like these severe, like siloed mentalities about the arts. Yeah. That I don't think any of us had the... I don't think any of us would say, oh yeah, that's how it came up. It's very much like you were talking about, Wes. You got... Science books and art books. And those ideas, they married together no problem. Right, right, And you right. didn't see a difference. You didn't check a box and say, have I had enough science today? Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but right. We, we, I think we try to do that because we do. We try to quantify the arts, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. something that there's ways we could quantify it, I'm sure. But I don't know if it's the most successful way to like really experience no, yeah, what the yeah. arts are. It has massive implications on the rest of society, actually. Right. And that's the tension. It's disruptive in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and I think when, when you talk about like when you like really get into this idea of being relational, I think I think that's the least quantifiable thing of all of this. Right. And yeah. so that becomes the least desirable aspect of when you start to throw these words around that's and right. people don't have genuine interest in doing these things. Right. Yes. Um, and so it's like if you want to collaborate, but like not be people's friends, I think to like friends that's like that's messy unquantifiable and like too organic and not a thing that is replicable or scalable you know right. what i mean and so like that is the thing that is like you know if you think about it being um i don't know corporatized i'm i'm, I'm using the wrong words but yeah, like sure. yeah, when yeah. it becomes like sterilized or packaged in a way to present to other people as a, like this is a thing you should be doing or considering collaboration I'll tell you how to do it, right? <laughs> I guarantee you in that pitch or in that session or in that workshop, they're not going to lead with, you have to become friends with the person right next to no you. Doubt. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that is going to be said or an afterthought, yeah. which I, I mean, I remember like, you know, making music and crew started to like really form and gel 
And it was like almost like early like universe where like people would start to get together based yeah. on affinity, um, like proximity, even like similar like background, like, you know, family struck, like all these yeah. things, like people started to like, but then when people would find their affinity group in that way, right, then that would be a bridge for other groups. So it's like, you know, the more middle class kids would start to like mess with the the you know the groups of the kids that were like had like more broken families right but after we crewed up like we would get together and we was like call like have common um a lot of commonality and start to figure things out but i remember um so we had our crew our crew was called athletic mike league aml and that's what like that's how we ran we had like a production crew within the crew called lab techs and like all this stuff like came out of like this crew was seven of us um then there was another crew in Michigan called, um, well, they started off as like Binary Star and then they became like a whole thing. Um, and one below or low from Binary Star, I remember when we were all starting to like link crews together, it was like, nah, we're not going to, we're not going to make music together until like we play basketball together. That's what's up. You nice. know what I mean? Yeah. And that was like real. Like it was like, nah, we're not even like, music is not even going to happen. Yeah. Let's play basketball a few times, you That's know what incredible. I mean? And, and and as crews or whatever, yeah. let's sit down, like let's build. And we all had the capability of making music and jump like getting down, but it was like this is not gonna happen until these other things happen, like these this relationship building. Yeah. And then like our crew, Athletic Mike Lee, we call it Athletic Mike Lee, because I didn't play on the basketball team, but like most of us played basketball together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like started off in sports and like driving from like the bus to like a game, people were listening to the same yep. music in their headphones. Yep. And so like that translate like that interest turned into like wanting to make the music and like yep. you know, like became, you know, this really organic way of like coming together and creating and making art that, you know, was not I mean, you know, it was facilitated in certain ways, but like not um I'm trying to think of the word, like it wasn't um, I don't think it really had a real structure to it, though. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny, man. I used to curate. Uh, now the thing about it in terms of, I mean, I mean, I would make the mixtapes for our our basketball games so that that there was a I had like an, a sense of like the rhythm of how we went through all our routine before you played the game, all the warm up, the drills, and so all. I, I mean, I was so into making sure that the mixtapes were correct so that that would play in the stadium in our gymnasium as we're running out and that you were hyped at the right times, that your mindset was right, and the music could tweak you to do that. I mean, it was so, but it was just intuitive. I yeah. wasn't thinking about orchestrating or curating through the, the like rendering the music as a tool or a means towards uh, shaping our, our minds to right. be right. But we were, I was doing that. Like, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. like, that was like one of the, like the things I live for, man. I would obsess over making sure the music was, was on point on the mixtape or whatever. Um, never, never even thought about it that way. Um, Man, like, so in my mind, I feel like you have this huge educational background that's happening in an immersive way and it's generated from the ground up and then you're, you're getting signals beamed in, um, you know, and then, and then there is this, I don't know when you went to school, but there is that precipice. There is like, it's like Biggie and Tupac die. I mean, they died my freshman year in college. There you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that, so, and also as an aside, they were being told by other people that they were the greatest. Yeah. Jay-Z 
it's like he stepped into the gap yeah, yeah, and declared yeah. himself the guy. Yeah, right, 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 and, right. And then, and then there was no one. It was like, and then it just became almost like I'm, you know, I'm not a huge Jay Z fan. Got you. I love the, I love the first album though. Yeah. I mean, I, I respect Jay Z, but I wrestled with that because I remember it's like, yo, this guy is kind of referring to himself as that. Which is really interesting to think about for me. That's, I mean, that's a whole different thing. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't knock that either. You that's know what, what I'm saying. saying. Yeah. But I, I would say, like, at that time, also, because we talk about this education, and I will also say, like, there's, and and really, for the most time, for the most of this conversation, we've been romanticizing this totally. time, right? Where it, to like really have another aspect of a critical lens of this time, yeah. um, and and how I was influenced, like, in certain ways, like. I, I use a lot of that information, that education now, right? Right. But there were a lot of things I had to shed from that yeah, time for actually for it to activate and like be relevant now. Yeah. One was like I, I mean I'll I'll like list a few things. Um one was like dogma. Like I was very dogmatic about like music. You know what I mean? And like yeah. what was real we talk about authenticity, what was real, who was real, what they were doing, why it was real, why this other stuff was like fake or no good and it closed my ears off to like a lot of different possibilities right you know what i mean and yeah, and, yeah. and options where i was so caught up in like the way hip-hop was molding me as like as a, as an image as a thing interesting how right. how to consume it what is consumed as real you know what i mean yep. and and good and so like in i mean that kind of training did a lot of different things for good and bad, right? Like mm -hmm. the dogma, like I shed. I was like, when I understood that as like dogma was like, my ears are clo closed to like things that are like totally irrational. Yeah. Then I'm glad I don't have that anymore. You know yeah, what I mean? I right. let those things go. But also like I had a trained ear, which I think translated to a lot of things. So at a certain points, like I could understand samples and I could register samples, who used them, where they came from. Um, you know, things like that. So I could hear like even fragments of like notes and no start to reference things in like many, um, in like a kaleidoscopic way, um, to know that this person just sampled this two years before and this came from wow. that, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, which I thought was cool because what I started to do, if we started to translate that over to, um, say the visual arts, even though I'm not a painter and I don't paint. I could understand the hand of an artist. Mm -hmm. So I could go into a museum, like not even look at the plaque and know that this is not even just the hand of say like Picasso, but like even more lesser known artists, even if I knew them in a book, like, you know, I started to understand like, these are still like not, you know, um, you know, underground artists, but sure. like the hand of like Manet or something right. like I would understand like, or Bouguereau or something yeah. like that. Like I could understand like, his hand in a painting and not know that was like without looking at the plaque and That's know right. that was him. And yep. so like I could translate that. But going back to like the dogma, um, you know, and I think the, the word now is like, you know, like toxic uh, masculinity. Right. And so I think other, other way I was being conditioned within listening to the music was like a lot of homophobia. Right. You know what I mean? A lot of. Um, um, uh yeah, just like toxic masculinity in, yep. in certain yeah, ways and the right. projection of like a male and a male identifying, you know, cis straight man um, and like what I had to do and how I had to perform. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those things were being also kind of beamed into me yep. through the music. That's right. And, 
Yeah, like so critically thinking about that, those are things I had to shed and undo yeah, yeah, from yeah. from like listening yeah. to like this music. No, that's real. I think I think you know when when I hear you say that, I mean, so my own story, um I didn't know how to do that. I don't know how that came about for you, but for me, um <laughs> I moved to Sacramento. I moved as far as I could I could go away from the context I was in. You know, I got a lot of I got some friends that are probably listening back home that don't even know the full story because I just left. Yeah. I grew my hair long, super long, grew a beard. I like tried to change every external signifier I could. Yeah. So then when I came back, all my boys were laughing at me. They're like, what happened to you, man? And then they're like, oh, you're an artiste. <laughs> but for me, I so I had to I stopped listening altogether. I just stopped. Yeah. Um, and I grew up in an eclectic home of music, so I just started grabbing other stuff. But I already, I already had found that intuitively the window was dwindling to particular songs and particular ideas. And, and it was excluding a whole bunch. Because like, I was, you know, like the objectification of women. That, yeah, like, yeah, there's, yeah. I mean, there's tons of categories yeah. where where it's like, I'm not even a, not about that, man. Like, and yeah. I don't really know where to go with this. I don't right. even talk to you about it. But I need to change. I need to be, and, and for me, it was like I gotta have a change of context. Yep. I gotta be somewhere different that doesn't um, uphold to these values, and so I had to move. So yeah, I moved. Yeah. And that's that's what started it. That's how I got. I mean, that's how I think I even got here. Um, but so for you, um, you have like a paradigm shift, I guess, in a way. Was there something external, or was it just a, a conscious? No, it was. It, I think it was like it was very external. I mean, I had friends like, and so it was like. Um, you know, as an 18 year old, like listening to this music and like, I took on, um, I feel like a lot of that, you know what I'm saying? Like bravado, you know what I mean? The posturing and everything. And so I feel like homophobia was like a major part of it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so I had friend, like I would have lyrics, like making raps, like I would have lyrics that would allude to like homophobic things, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, And I would have friends that I wouldn't know were, you know, you know, either gay or like identified, you know, some of yeah. these things I was, and they would like pull me aside, like, you know, that's not cool, like saying, it. and if I didn't have that, you know what I mean? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, people yeah. like, you know, it's like people didn't, I didn't get canceled, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and it was like not canceled, but like people actually valued like me and like my growth and were like, nah. Like, let's talk about this because, like, yep. that's not cool to be saying. You know what I mean? Sure. I still, even at that point, I couldn't process it and I didn't understand some yeah. things. But I was like, I was, luckily, I feel like I was open to those conversations yeah. and I continuously build, like, would be able to build and grow yeah. um, from a place of, like, straight up, once again, like, just, like, fear and not understanding and, like, not having, you know not really knowing those convers like having those conversations with yeah. say my very and some of this was my immediate peer group but it wasn't like my immediate immediate peers and when we're talking about like wouldn't check me on this so I would have other friends that would like yeah. check me on these things and so yeah. you know I think a lot of this stuff you know it was like internal struggles too yeah. like trying yeah. to understand like identify like identity yeah. and like sexuality and all sure. those things and so yeah. Not being able to process those things and like not having other models of just like not even knowing how other people are like yeah, struggling yeah, yeah. with you, these things. There's no dialogue. There's no. Um, I always say you can't choose what you haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, for know? sure. So like, if it's just it just means in in places certain things are just blinders. Yeah. Um, and kind of like in a way that I think is consistent with 
Some of why I think this conversation beginning to me is interesting is because it's pre where we're at. Yeah. And the way now, now we're in a, an opposite side where information is, is instantaneous. Yeah, 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 so yeah. processing time, the pressure to, to, for everything to be axiomatic is there. Yeah. Like it just, um, either or dilemmas all the time, I think. And so I'm always, I mean, that's why even I think why we wanted to do this podcast is we wanted to be in a space where there could be long form communication just to kind of hear you know, you get to this point, you see yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, in yeah. the dialogue and have the freedom to be like, Hey, by the way, this is romanticized. And then yeah. it's like, you got to actually be cool with each other. And there's got to be space set aside to move like in a space, have a journey of understanding. Yeah. It gives you time to process it, you know, for sure. I don't, I don't think we're as much as the internet moves at an instantaneous level. Not everything for us is always instantaneous. Yeah. In yeah, yeah, of yeah. Understanding it. No, Definitely. it's like these, yeah. these ongoing conversations and these long forms. Like I, I've, I've also like had like a similar conversation on another podcast from here. I don't know if you know, uh, Chaz, uh, barracks, but he's in okay. the MTX. Okay. Um, and with his dissertation, um, like we kind of talk about it cause he has his, his podcast is called black matter. Okay. Um, yeah. and you know, the whole, like everything that he's doing, like I'm, I'm really into because he's trying to like break down walls. He's like, you know, like I'm gay, but he's like, I want to hang out with a straight male. You know what I mean? And like that to be a thing. And like for us to like find commonality and like creativity yeah. or I, even other things it's yeah. like you know like still like these barriers it's like i still can't he's like i still have trouble like having friendships with like cis straight males you know right. what i mean right. and so you know i think he's using this for many other things i think like the ideas he has and presenting in it um are complex and layered sure um but like that's part you know as part of what he's trying to you know trying to get to and so like i've in some ways kind of reverse some of that stuff that's right um and and thinking about that but yeah yeah, yeah, like being able to go out and then come back and think about these different lenses is is important yeah and and the audience that is there listening like we we talking about that like the expanded audience and hopefully like you know um um i mean like chino and i for a couple years that we had on the show and you know chino like we we talked about you know uh different times and i think i mean suggested it to you but it's like Sometimes I feel like we just need to set up a table and just start a conversation and let people just chill out and listen. And, and then maybe they step in and participate, but, but do it in such a way where there's just a lot of charity towards obtaining an understanding or an empathy yeah, or yeah. An awareness or, or any number of possibilities. And, and then maybe it needs to happen uh, frequently enough that it's like, oh, that's a real, real, that's a real reality for us. Yeah, we, can yeah. still, we can still have that. We can break bread together, so to speak. We can share a meal and, um, and grow. Um, and because people are struggling with how they fit in, where they relate, what's closed or open to them. And there, there is a fear that is, I think, uh, hindering a lot of people from feeling like they can talk. Yeah. Right. Share. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, uh, so that's, that's something we definitely have, have, uh, taken a heart as far as how we're, how we're approaching this. Um, or why I think the long form communication is a, a medium that could actually launch even like something like an art journal that has a different take to it as far as how writing uh, steps into the equation and helps to f- foster and facilitate more understanding or dialogue or, or what have you. So, um, so, so then, so, okay. So you're, you're at this point, you have this tension or whatever, a rupture. So then how does that inform you stepping into design? Like how, how so then you go, you know, yeah. is that, we, I, I definitely want to make sure we get to like, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. I but. mean, there's a lot to cover. And I think a lot of these things, like, 
translate and I think some of these things are like metaphors for other things exactly. that I think, you know, I think we're talking about in, in this conversation, if I were to like sum up certain things, I think we're talking about things that get more directly to the point where I think are bounced around in the art world. And like some of these things are like very present and real and not like a notion in other disciplines and yep. forms. You know what I yep. mean? And it's like, you know, there's, there's a thing that exists within this that is already doing it. You yep. know what I mean? That's or right. in a way, yep. um, but like, if you want to bring it back to like visual arts culture, like, you know, the art world. Yeah, and, so maybe, you know, and I say that maybe for, our, maybe for our audience. No, because, for sure. Because for sure. this is getting, in my mind, I'm like, we're talking about, yeah, if yeah. I talk about that, we're talking about yeah. the other stuff. Yeah, directly, yeah, yeah. Directly. Um, yeah. And I would say design also came out of necessity for me. So like really briefly, like stepping back into how I got into design was just like, my we would go dig for records, dig for samples. I would look at record covers. You know what I mean? And then yeah. so... We would put out records. I would design the record cover. Yeah. I mean, the record covers. Or we had a show. I would design a poster, right? And these things are were based in necessity. I don't think that story is that unique because mm -hmm. I feel like other sure. people have gotten, had been introduced to design in that way through music, making things that ephemera that are related to the product of music, of right. distributing, promoting, um, or, you know, trying to... Um, I don't know, stir up imagination with the music visually, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's how I got into it. And then I would share my skills after I learned them with other people because they would need album covers and things like that. And so that was part of like, I also had like this already visual vocabulary of just kind of knowing things. Like yeah. I was into the arts. I just wasn't I was more into rap and I was more into hip hop. And that's just what it was at the time. And the translation kind of came in where a couple things. I got kind of tired of doing hip hop album covers because everybody wanted something that they had already seen or they mm -hmm. kind of wanted you to be their Photoshop jockey or whatever. So it's like, you know, they just wanted you to be their hands for their idea, which is cool. I'm just not interested in that. You know what yep. I mean? Like yeah. some people can like, be the eyes and ears and like the hands for other people's ideas. And it's like, I do that and I see the value in doing that. And depending on who it is, I'll be more than happy to oblige, but just like, not with like random people. It's like, you know, Photoshop, can you do this for me? I'm like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, nah, I don't, you know, and so I got really tired of that. But then like people like were like, I saw this, this thing, on somebody else's album cover, I want something like that. And then that's what really started to, cause like nobody wanted like original things or didn't want a vision of an artist. Yeah. They yeah. saw other things that they liked and didn't realize like they could present their own images and present themselves in a brand new way. Yeah. So that got really tiring. So I was trying to figure out like, well, what is my outlet? Because like I have ideas of visual things that are, are weird, you know, to a hip hop audience. And, <laughs> you know, and so I wanted to follow that track of like, whatever was like these weird ideas and present them visually. The other thing that ended up happening was, um, one of the people that I like mentioned was like really influential in like how I thought, how I like shifted my thinking about say homophobia and things like that. It was my friend, 
Ill, who was my business partner, and they were actually pretty big as like a hip hop artist. Okay. And so we kind of grew up together. I'm a little bit older. Um, but they were making a lot of noise as a rapper because at the time they were, you know, they were the white identifying um, rapper that people wanted to, at the time, turn into like the female version of Eminem. Mm. And so at that point, they resisted that a lot um, and that notion and would like have like all these contracts thrown at them all the time and um you know it was always struggling to like dodge like this and resist this idea of like huge amounts of money and right. at, at the time i was like why don't you take the like take the money like i'll be the one and like um and i'm i'm glad <laughs> they like consider my and value my um opinion on things but you know i wouldn't like force i wouldn't like shun them for doing that it's yeah, just like yeah, like yeah. on the other side like well think about you do this but i think what ended up happening was being an independent artist for so long and like doing independent things that's the other like thing that would come from like this um this collaboration and this necessity is like i became somewhat of a business person just because like making things and doing it on your own um but they were also struggling because they were switching their i like I, how they were identifying sure. and presenting themselves to the world, and so they never they didn't want to become they didn't want to be known as um, how they were previously identified. Right, right. And so that meant taking a step back and not being on stage, which was like the bread and butter to like we started a label for their music, and one, at the same time was struggling with how people associated them. Yeah. Um, and so design came in and was like, well, why don't we think about music in a different way where I have like these design skills that whatever, I'm sick of being a designer. I hate working with clients or whatever, but you're also like sick of, you know, how you're being presented and understood mm -hmm. in the world. Um, why don't we combine these things and make installations and understand a new audience like an art world where you can take a step back wow. we can still do these creative endeavors yeah. um but we're going to rethink this thing as like spatially we're going to think about um touring in a different way uh and so part of it was like just a design of like creating a, a model for this person to be creative have an outlet to be creative and not take the brunt of um, you know, misogyny, homophobia, sure. transphobia, all of these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And so like, that's where, so like this whole project, like we started a label called Emergence Music and that when, whole when, thing. What, just real fast. Yeah. What, what year, like what, what point are we talking about? This is roughly, um, Emergence came about in 2007, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah um, yeah. and so, yeah. And so, at the same time, when we talk about design and we talk about science, yep. um, we were actually working with these these science concepts in like complexity, quantum physics, and things like that um, as metaphors to like movement building and community building, um, and you know what some people call like change making or whatever and activism. Yeah, and these were ideas coming from 
people you talk about local context again in yeah. Detroit that were our elders that were thinking about these ideas in their activist work right. and um we were thinking about how do we translate these ideas into art and right. so it was like this this cycle and so all of this became a design project of like taking these metaphors from complex science emergent theory um or you know phys- quantum physics right and then thinking about well what is a like a language um that could work with it what is like an iconography of a of vernacular what are like proper metaphors that we can develop how do these things turn into like not only just music but like design pieces of like um still once again like ephemeral for like music and product and like merchandise but then also like experiential is like um performances that are like sculptural and spatial and architectural um and then designing experiences so i went from like shunning graphic design to like thinking about like experiential design but all from like a graphic design context and so um yeah that's i mean that's yeah that's incredible yeah yeah no i mean i my mind is like putting it into a historical context a little bit and i'm thinking about like so i'm you know like jazz so i became a jazz fan in part because um for me because of hip-hop so like and then i would like you know, jazz would inform. There was a season in my life where I listened to jazz while I painted. Like they're they're a natural partner at the stage of life that I was in, as far as my understanding of uh, existential philosophy and like, like a ton of things, studio practice. Like there was a season. So all these histories sort of uh, converge at these points. But you know, so there's this prior to hip hop that gives rise to hip hop, if you will. Like you mm-hmm. got punk. Punk mm-hmm. has a role to play in hip hop mm-hmm. and rap and like you know, just news reporting and like, there's like these convergences. And so it's interesting because you're in this soil, but then you're giving rise to, it almost feels like something else that has its, it's almost like uh hip hop is to what you do, what jazz is to hip hop. Maybe I'm- Yeah, deep. yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and I think, I think we are like making new outlets and like mm-hmm. uh, a, a new medium in, in ways, which is like really makes me happy and fulfilled in doing this. It's like, um, you know, for the most part, like if I were to take humility out of it, I think we are like working on the precipice of like brand new things. Uh, gotcha. And some of it is like borrowing forms or yep. taking other forms, but I feel that's like- That's inescapable. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. That's just a part of the, the shared, shared reality yeah. of human history. So like, you know, I feel like that's, the fact that you can say that comfortably to me is big because I think that flies in the face of our narrow understanding of originality. Yeah. A very deficient understanding. Yeah. That's so, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I'm, I, I dig, like, as as a mission since... The thing is, like, we formed as a music label. I was, think this is a joke. In 2007, it's 2019, and we've only released two albums <laughs> in that time, right? And we're still a business, and we still do a thing, yeah. and we're still out there. Um, but it's put out so many other things mm-hmm. in that time like this music label we now think of as a media company and we went from like a music label to a media company whatever you want to like consider that um it's just a way to describe what we're doing because we sure. weren't putting out that much music to like it became a shell for like a straight up serious performance art collective right? right and so that's the core of the business right now is like putting out art and producing like installations and and things like that. Um, right. So 
I don't know, that shift. And, uh, you know, I think the things that we're making don't have much of a definition um, and are, don't have that much of a place in an art world or a music world. And so I feel really happy in being in that in in that place because, I mean, we put a lot of work into it. And it's like, well, I think some of the work that we make, people just do not know how to take. And not because of this, like, weird, like, it's just like, the form of it is so, it's not, I, to say bizarre, it's bizarre when you're trying to categorize it. Right. So, right, yeah. it, you know what I mean? And so, I feel like really happy about that. It makes our job difficult at times. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't feel satisfied doing it in, in any other way. Like when people look at it and can't place it, don't know what room to put it in, in a museum or a gallery, don't know which curate, like curatorial silo to like deal with. And like it forces, like we've had these conversations in, inside of like different institutions and like we we're not prepared to present this work because it will force this curator to work with this curator and we're not even structured to do that. That's incredible. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then is that, so then you just, that like, that's, that's almost like a sufficient, to even say sufficient outcome maybe is problematic, but that's like a compelling result is that it creates a cognitive conundrum, categorical conundrum that forces, or I don't know if force is the right word, but I mean, you might say it, it uh, leverages or invites a conversation that they ha now they're responsible to. Yeah. So now the question is, well, you're responsible to a conversation yeah. that um, you have to decide whether or not you want to have. Right. Because you two don't want to talk to each exactly. other. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is really interesting. No, it's, it's interesting. And it's like, I would institutionally been like, we're not prepared. Like we are, our we are currently restructuring. Maybe after our restructuring, then we can have this conversation to present wow. this work. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I feel happy because, like, now I'm starting to see like some of these conversations three, four years ago, five years ago. Now we have institutions coming back to like, oh yeah, we're ready. And wow. it's like, you know, it's like to to have this conversation or right. do it. And I'm like, that's cool, but then it's like, well, we've actually moved on. We're making brand new works or whatever you're talking about. This is a whole brand new thing that you might not even be ready for again. Yeah. And so I'm 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 happy with I'm happy in that in that space and in that lane. Um because yeah. I'm not so interested. My goal is like not exhibiting in galleries and things like that. It's not yeah. in, in major museums and major institutions. I find that those places find us. Because they find what we're doing interesting, but don't know, still don't know what to do. After they find, it's like when a dog finally catches his tail and then they, he doesn't know what to do. Like, <laughs> you know, and then we sit down, we have a conversation and it's like, we're not so like rarely and if ever are we like ever trying to make the work or the mission of our work to fill or to conform whatever the mission of the institution is. So like. That's right. It's not like that we're anti like some of these things. It's yep. just like we have our own mission. And it's like we're not gonna like like twist something or contort something to fit it into something that compromises what we're what we're doing. Yeah. Um so I'm I'm cool. Like to me, I'm happy. I'm like when I think well, the world has to catch up to what we're doing and like I'm happy with being in that place. Yeah. Or feeling like I'm in that place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. so yeah. I can I can have this delusional idea of like you know, in some ways feeling like 
Nikolai Tesla in the in the art world, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And like whatever, I'll, I'll project that onto myself, and I feel good moving. That that actually helps me move through the art world in ways where when you start to talk about like the commodification, yeah. um, instant like association with these institutions yeah. on on different ways. It's it's hard for me to think about myself as an artist and perform as an artist and to commodify what I do in different ways. And I, I struggle with that on a day to day basis. So, so yeah, that's, that's one that is that, is that, uh, how, how, um, how tempting is that? So the new museum contacts you, it says we got, we, we want X. Yeah. Yeah. Y. Yeah. How, how, I mean, um, I mean, I think we're in a really interesting place where I can imagine that being uh, opportunities are, are there for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's like, connections with the like new music like these places and like um very closely to these like major institutions like we're just not knocking on these people's doors and we're not making i don't think we're making the work that easily like presents like as i was saying so we have relationships but i think these things will not present here's the flip side okay um we're still building a portfolio of work still like and when we talk still like a constellation we're building like a constellation of work that still might not make sense to people yet yeah and it doesn't even totally make sense to us yet either right. so we're still in the process of building these things and and so i think you know you talk about the process i think there will be times i don't think there will be times but i think in times in the past it was like well, well let's just make this work and somebody will curate it and include it in yeah. the show we just haven't done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. How, how do you feel about, I mean, I think like, so like this talk becomes an archive in a way, Yeah. you know, like in other talks you've done, I'm sure you've done a ton. So how do you feel about uh, then the, the potential that somebody else is going to catch up to the work at a point in time where they're going to sort of talk about it in, in, in some ways as a result, kind of define it or, do you know what I'm saying? Are yeah, you comfortable yeah, yeah. with that possi- that are you comfortable with that the kind of discovery component? I don't I don't mind people contextualizing it after because we are not doing it. You know right, what I mean? We're right. just like we get so caught up in making the work. We do not we're trying to I think we're trying to get better at contextualizing yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. But we we don't effectively. And so I think I don't mind people's assessment of the work after it's after it's made. I got you. Um and and does this thing. I don't I mean, one, I can't control that, but two um, I w- I mean, it's not like I'm, I, I think what we're doing is like, we're not making work that is still outside of reality, um, or to have an impact on what's happening now. Actually, that's our goal is to like impact what's happening now yeah. for the future. Right. Um, and so to understand what it's doing and how it's working and how it's operating, I'm actually, you know, kind of curious, uh, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. in, in, in people's eyes as in like how it still works with other peers and contemporaries. Right. Um, and then even in a historical context. Right. For for sure. Like, I don't think it... Because I don't think that pins me down in the work down. Yeah. It just contextualizes right. it. Yeah, I mean, because you can't get outside of this. I mean, I, it's it's like uh, you can extend this, the, the epistemic understanding or lack thereof of this reality uh, by, by the way things are proposed. Or, or actualized or brought to bear, but it's always still it seems like it's always going to fall within reference to relationships. Like yeah, so, right. So at some point, at the end of it, it's going to come back to to some kind of other person that does or does not 
situate themselves with the work or, or what have you and like and then whatever meaningful exchange happens or impact or however you want to call it so it's like you can't get away from it but there is space to be uh quote unquote abstract yeah as we, uh, because of how we presently understand things uh doesn't allow us to have as uh a level of understanding and comfortability in relationship to it or whatever so I mean, I think it's an interesting tension to live in. I feel like you had an appetite to live in that tension hard, though. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Man, you have to have a certain moxie to take up to take that up and bear it out. Yeah. Um, and so, one of the things that I, I've been interested in with you is like, I love you know, um, I love the fact that I've heard. I mean, I heard you t- talk at one point, and uh, when you uh, gave a lecture at VCU, yeah. And I was so excited, man. I thought you handled certain questions so well. Just the whole thing was was really, for me personally, really exciting. Like, I was like, we have to have this person here. Like, that, I mean, I was like, it has to happen. But I, I, I thought you were compelling also and still do because I think there's interesting ways that you sidestep that whole, um, there's a kind of anonymity to you. Like, you seem like you're cool drifting to the back. And so, I don't know. I mean, what, what's yeah. up with that, man? Like, you got, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's once, once again, I start, because I think what it is is like, um, getting to like some really like nuts and bolts and like my everyday struggle and like internal conversation yeah. is <clears throat> I ask myself and check in, do you want to perform as an artist? And what I'm saying, like not to perform, but do you want to like your existence to be the performance of an artist? Right. Um, and do you want to act that role? And right. so, and usually the answer is no to myself, but do you want to be creative and do the things that an artist does is always an affirmation. So it's yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so like, I'm always pushing on like creative projects, you know, works and things like that. But to me, the end goal is like, the end goal is like, I mean, I think this sounds cliche of like the starting starving artist or whatever, but like, it's not like fame, you know? Yeah. Um, it's also like, it's not monetary. Like I enjoy, thoroughly enjoy just being creative. That's mm-hmm. it. Like at, at a very base level. Um, not only that, I enjoy other people's creative process and being like proximity and witnessing that. Um, and so I like to witness creativity. I like to be in the mix of it. That's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me energized. I don't care at what level it is. Like those things do not bother me. So like, you know, um, you know, in teaching, like, I feel like potentially, like, I have students that are, like, potential, like, future art stars. That's right. That's cool with me. You know what I mean? And, like, I'm glad, like, I was there at a certain point. Yep. But also, like, some of the other ones that are not art stars, like, I've enjoyed their process, too. So, oh, it's like, yeah. I don't know. I can't predict who's going to be what. So, it's like, I'm there and I'm having fun yep. with, you know, with my students. Um, And then, so, like, even in my, like, life, when I go work with my peers, they're all creative. And I just get like I energize, I get energized, I learn, yeah, I get better, and in in certain ways, once again, I'm going to reference like hip hop, like is the theme of yeah, this. Yeah. But in my assessment, I, I say this, um, and I don't. Maybe some people won't get down with me on this, but in my assessment, the art world is actually easy. Um, and breaking into the art world is actually easy. And I say that coming from um, coming from hip hop, trying to break it into hip hop, which I can guarantee is infinitely harder 
to break in as a hip hop artist than as like a visual artist. I got a big smile on my face right now. I'm like, <laughs> dang. I think I mean I I don't know. I didn't yeah. try to break into the hip. I mean I could barely break into my own bedroom and rap. So I was a kid, <laughs> as a kid like. Uh, um, I think you might be right though. Um, and I'm not. I'm yeah. not. I'm not trying. Actually, I'm not trying to. Dis- not to dis- I'm not devalue yeah. or dismissing people's totally. experiences or things like that. I'm coming from very personal experience, and I'm creating my own perspective of like, man, when I was trying to like be a rapper, this was really, 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 really difficult. There were obstacles at every quarter turn mm. that I tried to make in the art world. Those obstacles are way fewer and far in between um, and less intense and the gatekeepers are teddy bears in comparison to like the (laughs) gatekeepers uh, in in, in hip hop and I would say in music. I was like, music is cutthroat. Yes. People will probably have the same assessment of art as saying art is maybe cutthroat, but in in my experience, not on the same level. Is it economics, man? Is it money? Is it like the concrete fact? Because that's another one we talked about. Like, um, I mean, in all of this, one thing I'm like is like, uh, you you know, institution building or like. But is it is it is it uh, does it come down to money? Do you think? I think. I mean, I'm going to people's money's in it. I'm going to essentialize this, and there might be some holes in what I'm going to say, but art, I think is the result and perpetuated of privilege. And that is the majority of the people involved in it on most levels. Mm -hmm. And it reinforces and recreates privilege um, in a lot of different ways, right? Um, I would say to to participate as an artist on whatever level actually means you have some level of privilege, whether you want to, and I'm saying a visual artist, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And I'm Mm -hmm. not saying this is wholesale for everybody, but I would say the exceptions do not prove the rule when I'm saying this. Right. Yeah. On the flip side, like I was saying, like hip hop, you're talking about gaining access and privilege, which becomes way more cutthroat at a like lower level, like at a, at a more base grassroots level. Yeah. Um, where I think you're managing and dealing with and trying to deal with on like a whole lot of things way earlier and sooner. Mm. And I would say competition is like maybe a whole lot thicker and um yeah, I would I would say competition is thicker and more where artists is still like you're still fewer and far between like people that self-identify as artists. So if you can create a community of artists, at some like eventually you'll be okay if like it can sustain itself or whatever. And the arts are propped up like when you talk about economics, right? Yeah. One of my moves over to the visual arts are in hip hop. There were no grants for hip hop artists, right? You know what I mean? Like you couldn't yeah. apply for fifty thousand dollars to like make an album. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. thing. Nobody's giving a rapper that kind of money or access. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but with an artist, you can get $50,000 for like making a garden plot, you know what I mean, in the corner of where your house is and somebody will give you $50,000, right? Um, yeah. And so like that's a whole different... When you talk about yeah. economics and resources, yeah. it's, a, it's a whole different game. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, man. Yeah, yeah that's super insightful. And there's so much there that I really appreciate hearing. Because um, I, I, 
I'll talk to students and I talk about a couple different things uh, in terms of like professionalization and success. And I like to start off one of my classes each semester just saying, hey, we all need to like sit in a space and realize that the fact that we're here is actually like astronomically mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, because like we are at a place in history where you do not have to be at home farming right now so that you can have food tomorrow. Yeah. And then past that, you don't have to uh, be in a factory because that's the way you get the wages that yeah. you have a choice and you have a choice to spend four to however many years learning art. Yeah. And that that is hugely like so even if you don't identify as somebody coming from a place of privilege, we're within a context of privilege. Yeah. And it's not something for us just to be like, oh, privilege, that's terrible. Right. Push it aside. But to say, no, I can I can understand that privilege and that there's a responsibility in that. You no doubt. And uh if you can start a conversation like that, I think that when we get to spaces about like what's it look like to be an artist, then we have a different conversation that starts to pop up because it moves into something where we say is success to be able to align yourself so cleanly with institutional clarity yeah. that you can move up the ranks or yeah. is success for you that you're able to do this thing you love again next month because your bills are paid for yeah, because you're covered and you can keep doing it. And so down the road you look back and you may say, because I'm in the same boat. I'm like, I don't care if I ever get famous from this, but I do care that I'm doing it next month. No doubt. Because I don't want to do the alternative. Yeah, because starving sucks, man. Yeah, I starving mean, does suck. I yeah. grew up poor. Like starving, starving sucks, man. I live in, living not knowing if you're gonna have uh, food next month sucks. Yeah. And and um, and I had to have someone tell me that it was okay to actually wanna wanna not do that. I had to have a professor come in. I had some health issues, so I had a professor come in. He said, you know. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to die to do this. He's yeah, like, I know. I know what you think or what you've been told, but you don't have to. And he just kind of came in. He's older. He had ran a clothing company. He had like launched his own clothing company. He had to stall out his painting career for an excessive amount of years. Like, and then he took it back up. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to say like in his fifties. He's a professor, and and, and he, you know, I, I admired him. He was just like a humble dude. Uh, he's art handler. You know, a brilliant painter, like designer. And, um, and all he did was tell me that he's like, you don't, you don't have to do it this way. Mm -hmm. I had never had anybody tell me that I had no, no reference point. And so, um, and there was something about, I think what you're saying, what you're getting at, which was like, um, yeah, there's the, the, there's the love for doing it, which goes back to those playing Legos. I mean, it just, just, yeah. there, um, it's the, it's the quality qualitative reality. And that's the one we really want. Yeah. We want the qualitative reality. Yeah. But we've created a a transactional society that means we have to put enough in over here to 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 dwell richly over here. And I think what's interesting about what you're doing in my mind maybe is how how uh, you're like pushing these together in such a way that they eclipse each other or they they obfuscate each other to the point that they're uh, pushed back and something else comes forward. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why it's disruptive and difficult is because I can't, I can't lump it. I can't yeah. shift it into one clean cat. Cause we can, if I can put it in the qualitative, like in the category of poetics, then I can discount it. Right. You know, it's right. like some Plato type stuff. I had a friend send me uh shout out to Ricky. Ricky texted me this morning, Plato's Republic. And I was like, there it is. He's given you some lush language on, on the value of an artist, but later he's about to tell you how we can't have them in society. Yeah. Because they're, they, they're inspired in such a way that disrupts society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that trickles down. Like, that's really how, how folks think about it. All the while, they're sitting in a well-engineered room 
You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. like with all this beautific reality and these clothes that fit properly that seems they'll fall out. Yeah. Like all this benefit and they're, they're just plush chilling in it, discounting it. It's yeah. amazing. It's yeah, yeah, amazing, yeah. No, no, no yeah. doubt. No doubt. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah staggering. Staggering. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, I think I'm moving. I've, I mean, he gets referenced a lot, but I find a lot of I don't I don't find him outside of my experience and so like i don't feel like i romanticize it i think he's like echoes some of my lived experience but like i feel like a lot of like what fred moten talks about with the undercommons and and a lot of those conversations and like writing um really resonates with like how i've moved and like he also gives some validation to that as a thing um mm-hmm. or a model in 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 that place and time when he was writing right when he was having those conversations about you know these ideas like under commons um and 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 so like i like to stay in that place yeah. where yeah you know a lot of that writing in that conversation is very is poetic you yeah. know what i mean it's like you That's can't right. pin it down it's not academic and like so i feel like there's a i don't read it like a thousand times over because like I feel like I get it from lived experience yep. in, in a way. Um but yeah when you when you start to talk about pinning things down it's like I could I know I could generate like uh, a portfolio of images act a part and I would move into like a whole different space in the yep. art world. Yeah. And I'm I'm just like not really interested in doing that. Um partially because when you ask, like, I'm into this idea of like longevity. I don't want to be consumed by the things that I make, yeah. and I don't want other people to like burn me out. I think when we having this conversation yeah, yeah, about yeah. like, uh, you know, I mean, we're just we're just just like pretty much talking junk. Like, there's nothing right. like there's not necessarily. I don't have any proof behind what I'm saying, yeah, 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 but for sure. yeah, you yeah. know, we were talking about like when me, you, and Chino, yep. you're referencing Chino again, like access. And when at a certain level in the art world, you know, when I would say at a level, if you're like making music, you have to prove yourself to be viable, mm-hmm. right? In in the art world, there's enough money and resources that if you fit a template um, and you might have a glimpse of success and haven't even proved it yet, there's enough money and resources to burn you through all of that to see if you got it. And if you do have it, They'll burn you through it again. Yep. You know what I mean? And then after that, if you have what it takes to last, then maybe you'll last. Right. Um, now, there was an article that came out, and I'm going to misquote it, but it's something the effect of uh, African-American artists experiencing extreme burnout in the arts right now. That's what I'm saying. It's a staggering statement because we, we're not talking about that that much time. Um I mean, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think what you're saying is really interesting as far as something you said that, that uh, really captures my imagination is the idea of the work burning you out. The work itself consuming you. Yeah. It's a really interesting thought. And it's like, I don't mind being consumed in my work and being super involved in my work. I think when the expectation of is to, to perform and to keep putting things out, of exhausting what you do. Um, because it's like a chance, right? right? And once again, like I talk about this idea of privilege. I'm, I come from a place of place of privilege. My parents are middle class, and so I don't have to like. I feel like I have the privilege not to chase success. You know what I mean? Or chase my own success. Like I can build on things at a different pace 
where if it's like, oh, this curator really likes what I'm doing. Like, this is an opportunity to be in front of like these collectors' faces and things like that. I don't run to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, actually run away from that. Not to say that I'm um, opposed to being collected, working with these institutions and things like that, but I'm very much into like my own terms. Like, they come to me for what I do with the full understanding of what I do and how I do it. And it has some of it aligns to their interests, but a lot of it may not align with their interests and they have to be cool with that if they want to work with me. I'm not going to like, once again, contort myself to align with somebody else's interests, right. but I have the privilege to like be able to have that stance and be yeah. able to do that. Um, yeah. One is privileged, but then I also have like really good role models of showing me like how that works and how that's sustainable. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and yeah. so people with like the wherewithal to ease back on things that may look totally appealing, like the right thing to do or a break in a career. I've, you know, I have my peers and my friends and my collaborators who have walked away from those things yeah. willingly because they have gut feelings that they are either wrong or realizing yep. does not align with a bigger picture. Yep. And so I've been taught that I've seen it, I've seen it work. And I feel like when you talk about like, it's hard to pin down, like I think my longevity, my ability to be 41 year old, 41 years old, talking about being creative um, as a lifestyle and a living, mm -hmm. um, comes from like me holding back and under like wanting to do this for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and that, I think that really means like not taking every single opportunity, being yeah. able to say no to things um, and knowing like I'm in more of a, like a slow burn. Like yeah. I'm thinking like if I'm 50, maybe there could be some like recognition to what I'm doing or whatever and like make those yeah. pushes. But I'm, I'm not that I'm not that I'm content but I'm I'm happy, and I think um, I think as a model, right? When you talk about like burnout for like black artists, I think a lot of like the burnout is because there's a lot of traps um, for black artists, and being like a model for like being able to be if you, like you truly enjoy creativity, like maybe um, I have a pathway or a way to like show people a, a, like a different way instead of like being at the beck and call of like gallerists, galleries, yeah. representation. And that's so big. I, I feel like you saying that is big. So, um, so my hope is like people hear that and they're inspired. Maybe some people reach out to you, you know, like in, in that, in that sense. Yeah. So there's like, there is a tension. It's like, uh, on the one hand, you're like, um, notoriety of a kind, I'm trying to, it's, it's not, uh, what I'm drawn towards for these reasons, but then there's still like, you have to kind of reach the, uh, you have to reach the airwaves or, or people's visual spectrum to actually know that you have, uh, you and others that we, we both know have, um, uh, possible models that could either incite another possible model or, or actually, yeah, the model you've sort of carved out. Is something someone else can kind of come alongside and, and step into and take a different direction, whatever. You yeah, know? So yeah, it's like, yeah. How, do you, how does that how does that uh, play out in your mind? Because I feel like that's critical. Because I do think you're. I mean, I, I I mean, I do think you're right in terms of. I would agree. Like there there are traps that are set, and you're being people are being pushed into that they're being rendered consumables. 
uh-huh. uh, that are like burn up. Yep. And then and then they're gone. And you see it across the board, and especially when there is a there's important shifts happening. So visibility is critical. So I'm a big proponent of that. Yeah. But at the same time, there's the there's like the the the, the side of it that is like uh, not. People, people's intentions aren't always good. They're not always good. And, and you know, I, I speak on this world like I am removed from that world. So I also speak from a certain level of like ignorance. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't know all the models. Yep. There are people that I actually look to in that world that I'm like, hmm, um, like a Mark Bradford or something yep. like that. Like, I like what he's doing. Yep. Um, I would love to like chop it up with them to like see how it works and whatever, like yep. as like somebody... Who would be, work. Yeah, like it would be like a men not I'm not actively seeking them out as a mentor, but like to be able to have conversations yeah. with them about what's working, what's not working, how he's moving through the world, yeah. um, as a model of I would say success in building institution uh, with uh like his own creative endeavors and yeah. his work, um, you know, his artistic career. Um, and it seems from the outside sustainable and healthy and like on his terms you know what i mean right so and i feel like there are a few other people like like that um it's just that i don't know if i don't have access to them i might i have access to them but i'm not in that like i'm willingly outside of that world so i don't know i haven't made the decision to like enter that world so i don't know what my questions would be that relevant to him right that's right because he moves in in different ways yeah um, that I'm not still willing to like do, but I'm definitely, like I said, like I'm still like saying some of this stuff removed from the world, outsider looking yeah, in. Yeah. Um, some of them are assumptions. They're, they're, yeah, yeah. They're they're degrees of informed assumptions. Yes. And then and then that grounds out some of the assumptions that maybe aren't informed for being within, and so that puts you in a in a, a space where uh, it, to move towards that means uh, certain other 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 uh, decisions you're making have to change and, and those things are not ready to be um, I mean it just may not be relevant to yeah to yeah, the, yeah yeah and, yeah yeah and the other thing is is like I haven't read that article that you're talking about yeah. and I would like to read that article but when I hear about articles being re- written about like burnout of black artists, is validates a lot of my assumptions. Yeah, that, you know what I mean. Yeah, you're like I don't even need to to read it to already understand what that is because yeah. you've been already. That's really interesting. So yeah. so take take a uh, uh, shift forward. Then uh, I was thinking about like Warhol in his studio. Uh, what's your what's your what's your what's your future look like? We talked about studios and like how how do you envision uh, generating a creative space that that is inclusive to to others and. Uh, platforms or bolsters or supports uh, a kind of an emerging um, or I almost think of it as like what you're trying to do is sets up the space for new people to come in and embody further this milieu. I, I mean, I, w- I would love to see that night not make in no way am I interested in making clones of myself. Right. Right. I don't. I don't that's yep. not what I want to see. I don't think. Sorry, Star Wars. Yeah. 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 Like. I don't think like I'm the ultimate model, but I think I provide an alternative that is not always like put out there. And like, so I'm trying to create a viable alternative and create the space and resources for people to, I think what you said is like, take it and run with it, whatever it is. Um, I want like, like I want people to be like more successful than me at what I do. Um, I'm not done trying to do what I need to do That's in right. any way. 
Um, but I'm not I'm not afraid of somebody even interacting with me for an hour if that hour they could take whatever and then like becoming, you know, I mean, people don't have to even whatever. I want to see people successful. They don't have to interact with me whatsoever. No doubt, but no what I'm saying is, is like if it was something that was passed from me to them and they use that just from like a sliver or whatever, I'm cool. That's what I mean. I'm in the student. Like, I think it's a real thing where when you're in the environment of being like a professor, a mentor, um, a teacher, instructor, or whatever, there I think it there can be a fear of your students becoming more successful to you, whether that be uh, rational or irrational. Yeah. I feel like that's a real thing. Like people won't admit to it, yeah. right? But I think it's 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 a thing of. You know, I didn't wasn't able to gain these things. Why could they gain these things? And like they're twenty two years old or whatever. Yeah. I, you know, like these are things that I check in with myself about. You know, enough to be like, all right, if this person gets this at eighteen years old and they don't even need to finish like being in my class, I'm cool with that. You know yeah, what I you mean? Have to be. You know, and, yeah. and but I think you have to you have to check in. But it's like, so I'm I'm I think my struggle is like I don't like to withhold information yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, I think my and part of even coming to VCU is it's not necessarily I have trouble withholding information, but like a lot of this is in real time. I'm figuring out there are not enough case studies of doing what I do. Yeah. So I had to like also create the pedagogy and like curriculum around these things that are not like so standard and like maybe counter to or um, not fully like discovered or like exhausted by like the institution or academia. So I had to figure out how to present this information. And so sometimes I get jammed up of like, what is the order of, what is the order of operations to like release some of this information or to show this information where for me, it's all been like lived experience. So it's like, how do I, like, how do I talk about lived experience? And I'm like, I, you know, I can't emphasize enough to just like tell my students, like start something like your time has already started. It started mm-hmm. now. It's like things do not start after you leave this place. No, yeah, yeah. Um, you it's like, true. you could like as an 18, 19, 20 year old make impact, you know, yeah. it, you know, and it's not like being like a motivational speaker and being like, just believe in yourself. I'm just like, it's crucial that you start doing these things now. You know what I mean? Um, and so those are the things that I like to enforce mm-hmm. and, or try to like, you know, have in my classes. So it's like, sometimes like I'll have assignments where the students have to like get together and make a business based on like what they make and create in like two weeks, you know what I mean? And like make a, a product, a thing or a creative endeavor that like they would have to sell and it had to be like a viable thing, which is almost impossible but I'm like, that's how urgent sometimes these things are. It's like, that's not, I'm yeah. not, I'm not looking for them to like be like startup, you know, venture capitalists or things like that. And like, that's not what, that's actually not what I'm training them no, for. That's right. I'm training them for just to like to get together and like see what the stakes are. Um, when, you know, simulate some of these stakes mm-hmm. of doing things for yourself, by yourself and just to be like, this is not a simulation. Like we're not turning this in for a grade. Where how do you how do you make because you want to make these things? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, yeah no, I yeah. think that's so real. I mean, I know you got. So I'm just gonna say this on one because I know you got a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah, kick this around. So like, you know, like that's the thing at the core. Um, 
there it, that proposition, that opportunity is very exposing because so for me, I intuitively went after things, um, sort of my bent, um, beyond what I understood, especially. So then I'd see, I'd go, I would, I was like, I'm not waiting to like exhibit or I'm not waiting to like, I was, you know, I started a gallery while I was an undergraduate, like, wow. Like there was things we're just doing. You're just doing stuff. You're like, let's try this out. If it's, if it sucks, it sucks. And there's everybody else that was just kind of waiting, waiting to test for it. And I, and I, and I, I think that it gets at confused desires about the nature of the work at hand and whether or yeah. not some people really want it. Yeah. Like they, they really are in it or not, mm -hmm. you know, which is tricky. I got to be careful how I say that because we, we, we do work at an institution and people, people come about at different times mm -hmm. too. Right. Mm -hmm. No, for so, sure. People's yeah, timelines are totally, totally different. different. Yeah. Totally yeah, different. yeah. Yeah. Acknowledging that yeah. for sure. But I think like going back to what you said earlier, like asking yourself the question, do I want to do the performance of an artist or I do, do I want to do the work of one? And that's, that's, that's a tough question, especially if you're sitting in a classroom at like 18. Yeah. That's a tough question. I mean, it's also like not mutually exclusive things. Either. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Because there's times where you got to play that part in yeah. order to be able to do the work. Yeah. And vice versa, right? Um, but that's something like, I, I do the same thing in my classes because uh, what I teach is 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 more like uh, the, the bridge between business and art, right? So it's like, all right, you want to do this thing. I'm going to assume that you've got skills and passion and things, but you might need some other tools to help you navigate some waters. And so we do, uh, it's six weeks, same thing, make a product, build a business, whatever, get it going. And then we use some sort of like validation for like, like Kickstarter or something like that and see what it is. And every time at the end, when they do their kind of reflective work on it, they come back and every group says the same thing. It, you know, we just, we just needed more time. And I'm like, you don't have more time. Yeah, like yeah. this is what you've got. And it doesn't matter if I give you two days, two weeks, two months, Oftentimes we will fill our time with the work we have, whether or not that work is good enough to fill that time. Yeah. And so like there's an urgency that is it, it's difficult. I mean, I didn't have this at 18, at 20, at 20, I, shoot, 35. I probably didn't have this. Right. And so it's difficult because like you're saying, I've got these life experiences, but how do you actually teach this to somebody? Because a lot of what I teach in my classes is the same thing. For seven years of my career, what am I doing? Trial by error. Yeah. You know, like. Well, most of the time, error by trial. I that's, think that's it where somewhere in there, I was. It's peripatetic. It's like um, it's learning in the midst of the the the, the whatever. Yeah, you know, it kind of gets weird. It kind of goes back to like you know studying under the master, or you know, I mean, there there there's all, all the problems with that. But then there were some things that made sense. Like so, you're just doing life together, living in the same space together. I mean, I always say like I learned a ton just by being people's studio assistants and. Like I always go, I always use a metaphor of like seeing an artist with bedhead and like, they're just a real person. Yeah. Like I needed to see that. Well, like and there's that was, so many, yeah. like every other context you can even think about, right? We can go back to our context with like hip hop, right? People weren't saying, Hey, I've, you know, I've just written a whole bunch of stuff. Now I'm going to go into the studio and do my thing. It's like they had their rap battles and they learned there in that place. You go uh, to a court in your neighborhood and you play basketball and you learn from people that are better than you yep. because you're getting stuff smacked back in your face and getting yep. knocked on your butt. Yeah. Um, Within sports and music, like we see this, yeah. Um, but then I think sometimes we just we kind of dissociate at times. And yeah, we're yeah. Like, well, oh, but but it's different with art. It's like no, there's a huge experiential component to what we do, and that's sometimes really difficult to put into a classroom. I will say though, and I think you're right. I will say, I mean, that that helped me. I mean, I had heavy transferability through athletics, for better or worse. I mean, 
sports kept uh, gangs or sports. That's mm-hmm. that's basically the option that were presented to me. So it was livelihood, safety, that kind of thing, and then impro- improvising and all these these intuitive categories that are in flesh or embodied in the moment, in real time. But like with visual art, we're at a different point now. But there wasn't. Like I didn't live in, near a gallery. I didn't know any right. artists. I knew some. I mean, maybe there was like the sweet lady, the Sunday painter, playing, painting flowers. But but then I would go. You know, my mom would be like, "You can take this class, watercolor class." I'm like, "This this ain't. I can't. I can't imbibe this. I can't step. I can't inhabit this space. I don't. I don't. Yeah. This ain't what I want to do. Like I don't. I don't know what I want to do, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. And so your your uh, your visual opportunities to to see, project yourself into possible worlds as a creative creative person. Uh, the shutters were closed. A lot of it was behind the scenes. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like having, like having those models. Um, once again, like being like, my models for being a rapper were my friends that were either my age or two years younger. That's how I knew how to be a rapper, and we were all figuring that out, right? Yeah. There were no, like Nas was not around to mentor us. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish. You know, yeah. like Q-Tip was not around to like mentor. I wish. Um, and Dang it, Q-Tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, when you talk about like for artists, like I didn't know what kind of artist I wanted to be until my, uh, or that even seemed interesting until like my last year in undergraduate. And I took eight years to finish undergrad. So uh-huh. like for that whole time, I didn't see a model or anything that yep. like even spoke to me um as as an artist until i had a professor who had just come into like our school from the west coast and she was an installation artist i didn't know what installation she made projections and like made puppet shows and like projected things and i was like you like a projector as a medium was a thing that i didn't even understand or could consider and so once i saw that as you're not making a paint because it's like you know what you talking about like transferability yeah, yeah. and like the things that I'm trying to put out as models like I would say for me like things don't come easily to me like nothing comes easily to me like everything I do at first I suck at it just not been a thing that I've like has been presented to me and I was good at like immediately I wish but there's not <laughs> a single thing on this planet that has ever been put in front of my face and like I think like I came to it and was like, there's, he's just got talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah there's yeah. It, never. Um, but, and so that's why I enjoy creativity because like, it's always a struggle for me to like understand and know something. And like, I really enjoy that. But I think I have students, like I can't, like I can't draw. Right. Um, and I think that's a very subjective thing to say, but I try to tell my students, like, I can't draw. It's like, I don't know how to draw. Like I've never painted, but I like, I'm like, you can still be creative and these things like may not even come to you immediately. Yeah. And so I'm like the possibility and the potential of starting a new thing and it's sucking are extremely high. Right. And so I'm like, let's, let's be cool with it. Like the idea that you're going to suck because I'm introducing a brand new thing to you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, let's, let's be cool with that because, you know, when you talk about like this six week thing or like this idea of time, mm-hmm. it's really just going through that cycle. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like that two weeks or six weeks, like you don't realize like this is all like 
a cycle you have to go through, you're not going to make a successful business in six weeks, probably not six months. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You have to go through that cycle to mm-hmm. understand. You're going to have to go through that cycle several more times before you start to understand it or what it is or what you need yeah. to do or how you need to behave or perform mm-hmm. in, in doing that. Um, and so I'm, I'm not a lot of times like I'm not setting my students up for success I'm setting them up to like a, a, a sports analogy, right? Yeah. Um, when I'm in the gym, like and playing basketball, like once again, basketball never came easily to me. Like my brother was an athlete, you know, mm-hmm. basketball came really easily to him. Um, but I think it's still like this notion of like saying football where or anything like you need to get like the contact before the game, like you need to get roughed up yep. so it's not shock when you go into exactly. the game. Exactly. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like the same thing. It's like, you know, me and my me and my homie Mike, we go to the gym, we're playing with like these 18-year-olds, right? And and whatever. It's like we need to like play one-on-one so I can feel the contact going for a layup, you know, yeah. before I even go into the game. Yeah. Otherwise, like I'm too high strung without like being able to like yeah, not being yeah, able yeah. to feel like a body up against mine, like while I'm trying yeah. to like perform a task you know what i mean and i think like that's similar in that way no definitely i think so i mean and and we do the same thing in other spots i think it just feels a little weird when we talk about like economics in some sense right because it's like you know nobody comes out of like a painting program and they're like you know i've I've never actually painted a painting yeah you know it's like no you've gone through that and you've gone through that cycle like over and over again you know there is a there's a, a repetition of what we do um, but then we kind of drop folks out and we're like, well, have a good successful career. Yeah. Even yeah, if yeah. we haven't gone through the cycle of like, Hey, uh, this isn't going to be successful for you off the bat. Yeah. You know? And sometimes it is. I mean, there's some folks, I know folks that have totally rolled out and they've had their first oh, go right. has been oh, fantastic. Right. Yeah, 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 and you know, right. every now and then happy yeah, for yeah, more yeah. power to them. Yeah. That's right. But that's going to be, like you said, that's an it's exception. Not, that's not, not proven the rule. And yeah. you may, and it doesn't, doesn't negate the. Future potentials of, of, of failure. Right, no right. Doubt, yeah, no yeah. doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Know, could set yeah. you up to feel it more painfully. For sure. Because you, Definitely. You've, you've obtained, um, you know, um, you know, a certain level of success or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, I've definitely seen students that are rock stars. I mean, I had a student. Oh, heck my yeah. wife, My wife told me, why can't you be? Is Connor Bachman. And my wife's like, why can't you be more like Connor? I'm like, because Connor's a rock star. <laughs> he has something I do not possess. Yeah. <laughs> like years ago. Yeah. And sure enough, I mean, he's done more. I don't even know. It's, it's incredible. He's incredible. Shout out to Connor Bachman. But. I've seen that, um, and uh, and and so like building, um, trying to find a way to recontextualize failure mm-hmm. is yes. not what you think that it is. Yeah, it's not a hit on your value. You're not less of a person yeah, because yeah, yeah. this didn't work out. You need to be more curious. Yeah, in place of the fear of being devalued. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In, in terms of stepping forward existentially into a creative endeavor, like, I mean. I got to say that with caution because there's a million ways that we're oppressive and devaluing. So trying to trying to make a more salient point in the strict context of mm-hmm. uh, uh, stepping forward and being cool with and excited about the failure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I try to teach my students that we're going to get excited about failure. Actually, I tell them, I'm going to teach you how to draw through failure. That's, yeah, how, yeah, that's yeah. how you learn. Everything yep. I'm doing is it guarantees setting you up to fail, to expose it to you and to myself. So then we can go, well, what do we do with this? 
How do we apply? How do we learn to learn? So I feel like in some ways I'm, I'm teaching people how to learn. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Within yeah, yeah, their own capacities, within their own starting points. And and then I always tell them like, let's not stress on comparing ourselves. No doubt. Please no doubt. Don't compare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please resist comparing yourself. Mm-hmm. It's okay that they have a different starting point to you. It just is okay. It doesn't matter. For sure. And yeah. I like I was like always have to take my. I hated my experience in undergrad. Mm-hmm. So it's like I try to do all things that are different, and I think. It works for some students and doesn't work for other students. It's like my learning style, for the most part, like I don't feel like my learning style was appealed to. But like when I was in undergrad, I don't think I've ever, I never had like a drawing or a piece of work that ended up on display in the hallway. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it was never singled out. I was never like exemplary, like my work in in those realms, right? right? It was just like drawing no my drawings are like struggle drawings like all the time it's like but i found like a different joy in like drawing but like all these other things it's like you know work would get pinned up mine would never get pinned up yeah, yeah and it yeah. was like um i actually had to like find an internal confidence mm-hmm. that was not based on um the val- that that type of validation that right. i feel like mm-hmm. perpetuated um, different people. And it's like more power. I was like, I wasn't mad at the people getting pinned up. I was just like, I'm not getting pinned. Like I noticed that very blaringly yeah. and remember that very distinctly. Yeah. Nothing I did. Um, and I'm, I'm saying like, maybe some things I did have impact, but like when I was there, like nothing I did like made any kind of impact. I did know the thing that gave me confidence at that time was when like still going back and referencing music. What I was doing at 18 and 20 in music with like my collective, like I have, I had already seen, like we were already shipping work to Los Angeles. We were already shipping CDs to France. Wow. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, and like later on the line, I would go to Japan and see like my records sitting in a stand in Japan. I would go to Amoeba Records and see in the resale bin already like our records in the resale yeah, bin you know yeah, what i mean yeah. people have already consumed it and like brought it back you know yeah, what i mean yeah um what's that feel like i mean it's it's crazy like, i mean like the reason like it's like you don't know how you want to feel about like the work being in the yeah, resale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but in in a certain way it's like we were like under like it was understood like we never thought we would get that far to be like sure. have a record sold in los angeles we had never been like we sold Thousands of records in Los Angeles before I've ever been to Los Angeles. That's incredible. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I don't care if it's in a reason. Like people yeah. like may enjoy it or may not have enjoyed it, but like we tricked them into buying it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. From, from where, right? <laughs> yeah, there was <laughs> enough there that they bought. It. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Enough there. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so that's what gave me comp- like, to move forward. Like I knew, and so like I had this like crazy Kanye mentality. Um, where it's like I used to say in high school. Whatever, like in high school, I used to say, like when we talked about things, or like, like I would call myself an artistic genius, and it's like I could draw a Ninja Turtle really well, but when I got down to like figure drawing, like I, I, I sucked at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I truly believe like that as like I projected that, and so yeah. like, I feel like that thought has actually projected and propelled, like perpetuated to like what I am now and what I'm doing. Um, because I didn't, I didn't get that validation yep. within that. So when we talk about this yeah. idea of failure and like bringing that, like that's what I'm like really emphasizing and like harking on in class. And I'm, I'm speaking to the ones where it's like I see them struggling with the pencil, like yep. to draw. Yep. 
And I'm like, that's not the only way to measure yourself yep. when that's making right. these, like when you're making and creating. Yeah. yeah. Um, and coming up with like new ways to like measure and like new levels of success or like new conversations with yeah. yourself. Um, because, you know, from 18 to 22, that's a small sliver of like development. Yeah. Very small. And there's yeah. a big world of like making art and so many different possibilities in the yeah. way you can express yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember, so for me, when I went to New York, same trip, uh, the, the I saw a Damien Hurst piece and all it was was bugs. I don't mean to say all that it was. Yeah, no, I get, yeah. It, was, it wasn't what I expected and it just kind of um, gave me license at a level that undermined all the skills that I have obtained in a good way. It yeah. freed me from the skills. The tension I live in is t- towards what you're talking about. Most of the time I'm able to get virtually everyone. My whole thing is, I, I've told you this, is my goal is to show you that you could learn to draw if you want and, and therefore it doesn't mean what you think it means when you think you're inferior to it and it's upheld to too high of a, di- a regard. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, that's always my ambition is like, we're going to knock this so far down that what you learn is you can learn whatever you want if it's relevant and you need it. And that's why I'll have three classes in virtually everyone's work is in the hallway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I'm like demystifying it. Yeah. So I'm going the opposite route because of because because of stories like what you're sharing, which is like, you don't need to be afraid of this. This is just a matter of desire, not desire. But also like the care of the people around you. Um, because when I came to where, where we work now, I saw a generation before I got there that was leaving all these people behind mm-hmm. and to uphold the standard. Yeah. And so they, mm-hmm. and I was like, there's no, uh, that's not teaching. No, no, that's no, upholding no. your, your dogma. Yep. And delighting in the, the fact that this confirms that it's elevated such that I'm elevated. My whole thing was like, I'm going to, I'm going to undermine all that. I'm going to get as many people to draw, uh, quote unquote, well, in a narrow sense, I'm going to teach them a ton and they're going to demonstrate it quickly. And it's going to be confounding because we don't need to be uh, sh- self-propagating shamans mm-hmm. that uh, uh, mystify things yeah. while, while mystifying myself. I'm going to th- throw everything in reverse. So I re-engineered the way we would talk and think about drawing in order to teach it in our foundations with the goal of empowering people, basically. Yeah. To say, like, look, you can do this. Cool. Just, just know you can. No one can ever take that from you. And now know that whatever else that you're afraid of, you can learn too if you want to. So now it's just a matter of desire and yeah. willingness. Do you want that? Go for it. Do you want to go into a space that you're unsure of, that you don't know about? You you have self-understanding that says you're able to do that. Mm-hmm. And just use that as a proxy until you get a new proxy. And yeah. then let it just keep escalating and building. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's critical. I think it's critical to have uh, people like you at, at that level. Um, I mean, Gareth and I have great talks because Gareth is, we're, we're, um, we're pro- how do you say it? We're adjacent to each other, and, and well, all three of us, yeah, you yeah. know, are, and so we were able to have good go between conversation because he's teaching upper level classes, but then he's also working with our foundation students. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's really fantastic to see because like what you're talking about, Ryan, um, that kind of like empowering, right? Mm-hmm. That works against like the story you're telling, Wes, right? Like where it's like, oh, here's this thing, we're all over here. Like so much of it, I think really is like, there's this massive like boulder of like fear that we think is just like bearing down on us. And so it's sitting there and, and, and I don't think that we realize just how much that impacts and affects what we do. And so some of like, even the stuff I do is just trying to teach students, like actually the stuff you're afraid of, like it's actually nothing to be afraid of. Right. So it's like coming in a kid's bedroom at night, you flick on the light and you say, see, it's just, it's just your doll over there casting a shadow on the wall. That's all it is. Yeah. Yes. And and that's 
And that's something that I think a lot of people might hear and be like, yeah, that doesn't really sound like, is this what college is? And I'm like, no, but it is because there is so much like vulnerability that's a part of, I think, art and design. And when you see somebody doing stuff really well, they really are putting themselves out there. And you see students that are not quite making the work you think they can. And some of that is just being held back by some of that fear. Yeah, it's not it's not inability. It's, it's not inability, right. especially where we are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, I, I don't think I've ever come across a student in a class I've taught that has inability no doubt, in the no. sense of what we might think. That's right. No as like not having the tools, not having what yeah. uh, they've got. They got plenty of ability. Yeah. No problem there. Or they wouldn't yeah. have gotten to where they are. Yeah. But they do have. Uh, other things I think is good for us to kind of like tease out of them and say, Hey, this, this is actually something you can really step into. Like you're saying, yeah. Wes, this is a world that you actually probably have a lot more ability to enter into well and successfully than you think. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. I mean, I feel like, is there anything, anything you want to close out with Wes? Like anything coming up? I mean, we, I no, this we, is good. This is a good yeah. conversation. I yeah, thoroughly man. enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah definitely, sure. definitely. I've been looking forward to this. Dude. Yeah. yeah. So thank yeah, you. Man. Thank you for coming in sooner. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But I felt like, yeah, just the conversations I feel like you've been ha- we've been having, this Gareth and I have been having. I'm like, we have to make this happen sooner. So yeah, uh, I, this is this was fantastic. I mean, man. you know, like the the only other thing I want to add on to, and I think like thematically, like, yeah. you know, I don't know, um, and maybe in some of your other conversations, like how strongly like this idea of music has come up, but like these references, which I rev like revel in like this idea that kind of I'm in a, in a place and I'm able to interact with people that I'm able to like use these references and make them relevant. Yeah. Like we've had these conversations, but I think there have been places, spaces and places where like a lot of these references are foreign to like what's going on. And to me, they're really core yeah. to mm-hmm. pushing the forward culture yeah. where how our culture and media work mm-hmm. um in, in ways that are not sometimes like explicitly stated you yes. know what i mean yes and so you know whether or not you have a relationship with hip-hop doesn't really matter right because hip-hop has influenced so many things not mm-hmm. just music sound but it's just like the way things work um and it like that prevalence of like what and we're just talking about like a sliver of yes. you know it's big yeah, in yeah. mass culture and popular culture but it's still a sliver of artistic expressions mm-hmm. that don't necessarily get brought into the mix with these conversations yes. and like are seen as just as relevant and important to like to even have these kind of conversations right. you know what i mean yeah. um yeah, yeah, yeah. and so you know so i'm like appreciative that like i'm able to do that and you know, we you know if we when we bring up like Chino or people like that, like we've had this conversation in the past, but I'm able to like reference those things and make it relevant for a student like Chino, where I think that enhances the experience because I can bring up something like really obscure, right? And like he might understand it or like you might under like understand it, but I feel like those obscure references happen all the time. They just come from different cultural contexts and are still seen as like dominant culture. Yeah. Um, but they can like, but they're always brought up and they're seen as like relevant. Um, whereas I think sometimes the things that we're talking about are not seen as relevant, but I, I, I know you guys don't understand what I'm saying, but I'm like trying to express it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no. I think, I mean, that's why, uh, I believe that, I mean, that's why I was like, man, I'm so that, uh, telling you, that's why I was like, dude, it's critical that you're here because there's a whole, the door, we unlock doors. Like, you know, 
I said this, and when I was going through my interview, they asked me about the verse. I was like, well, here's the thing, and I, I you know, I maybe said this in the past, but I had this picture in my mind of this story of these riders, and in you know, an experience with with a, with the loss of a friend. The story is that you know these three guys would sit together and talk in the pub, and provoke each other into thinking about things afresh. Like they would, you know, so they would have these discussions, and 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 when one of them passed away, the other person no longer laughed the same way. There was something about this person that unlocked a kind of laughter that registered at a certain point that they could never bring to bear of their own volition. Yeah, right. It just wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. And it, and I said that says something fundamental about the nature of unity and difference. Um, so they were united together and yet they were distinct and we do not unlock every possibility of our own accord. We actually need each other. Right. We actually draw and mutually enhance one another in such a way that a fullness is not able to be obtained any other way. Yeah. And so, uh, so to your point in, in your, in, in, um, embodied experiences, I've seen years of students that needed contact and opportunity to have those aspects of their lives, um, unlocked had a finger i mean i had a student who we talked about this kind of stuff he ended up going on to be a, a hip-hop artist inversed yeah he went into it yeah. now he's a hip-hop artist yeah. in los angeles like um but but also that is becomes a model for any number of other i've had a, a student who is a professional celloist you know and she's doing illustration and somehow her musicality and her illustration are yeah. are bearing out rich and interesting fruit and and we can't be threatened by the pervasiveness of art in the problem is we want to uphold art because we, we see how it's disregarded or art yeah, design, right. if you will. Yeah. And the tension is to hold it too firmly and it recedes to itself and it excludes and it and it looks as though it's irrelevant to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the while it's upholding it it's mediating uh our total experience of living and knowing. Yeah. It's it's pervasive to that fact. Yeah. Therefore we should expect to see it and we need to hear more stories. Like we need to have more conversation, more voice. So when we talk about diversity, even in the university, that discussion in my mind, forgive me if I'm overstepping or wrong in saying this, hasn't gone far enough. Right. No, into I, the why. Yeah. The why is it sometimes feels decorative, yeah. adorning to the exclusion of the depth of the human endeavor in the necessity to bring these things to bear. Yeah. That stuff. And that, and forgive me, like I said, if that, if that, I don't mean that to be offensive in any kind of way, yeah, yeah. but, in, but it's just to say yes and not enough. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, yeah. So I'm, I mean, like I said, I mean, I appreciate, uh, yeah. Gareth and I have been yeah, playing definitely. for this one. So definitely, man, anything you got coming up, anything we should know about in LA or Detroit. I, I mean, I'm travel. Have a couple, couple shows, uh, coming up, I think. Uh, Are you going to get a private jet? I'm, more I'm trying to get Wes to get a private no, jet no. and make that the studio. <laughs> no, I just watched too much Johnny Quest as a kid, yeah, 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 and, and yeah, yeah. I, I just want Wes to be like the world traveler in the, in the private jet studio. Yeah, I mean, right now I think I'm hope I'm I'm hoping to actually work with Chino a little closer yep. um, to do a series, at least one show exhibit his work, uh, but do maybe even do a series of shows with Chino starting maybe late summer gotcha. of this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or maybe into the fall. I mean, there are too many projects to mention, sure. and like a lot of them are in research and development stages, yep. and will are all iterative and have the opportunity for people to like encounter at many different stages. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know, like, if you are interested um, in contact with some of the things I'm doing, my collective complex movements. We're always out there. Doing stuff, we're working on this project called Tower and Dungeon, dealing with like the prison industrial complex, uh, real estate development, 
um, the psychology of the design and build space on people's bodies um, and how design and build space um, protects capital from like high rise architecture to prison architecture. So that's one thing that we're constantly working through. Um, in my studio, Talking Dolls, we have a lot of stuff in Detroit. If you're in Detroit, come by Talking Dolls. We have some interesting things. Um, we have, uh, what is it? The, um, I forget the first part of it, but um, the creative coders. Um, so it's um, poetic, um, poetic computation um, collective that is going to be in our studio for two weeks. Nice. Um, running workshops and things like, and they travel around and they're like a lot of like the main people doing like coding, mixing code and art and, and doing those things. So that's happening. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, a lot, yeah. a lot's happening. Yeah. Found yeah. Big models LA. That's my gallery or exhibition space. Yeah. That's what's Design up. Justice Network. Uh, follow us. I didn't really talk about that. And if we ever get a conversation, I think about like moving disciplines and canons, like and being irreverent. Irre like we, I think we alluded to this idea, yes. but like being irreverent to like canons for the sake of bringing in new voices. Mm. Um, I feel like that's what Design Justice Network partially does uh, as a yeah. way. But yeah. All right. So we're gonna bring you back in season two. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, and focus on a couple topics. If you're cool with it. On this stuff, I think I think there's a uh, I don't know, man. We might do a, a roundtable and get Chino in, like, because we had yeah. there's a couple of us, like, we felt like we set the soil, mm -hmm. and then there's the stuff that emerges that we're like, man, I think yeah. it would be it would be uh, fruitful to to zero in, yeah. So maybe we'll maybe we'll do that. You have any? You have a so Wes, thank you, thank, yeah, thank, thank you, you guys, yeah, thank you, yeah, yeah, definitely, thank you, for, thank you so much for, for being here. You have anything, Gareth? You want to? How do we want to close this out? Conversation mm -hmm. starter, as always. We always see these as conversation starting. Uh, not closing it down. So, so he, please yeah. hear that. Whatever we didn't get at to, what we missed is uh, the hope is that this ge generates conversation. Yeah, definitely. So. I mean, because there's, I mean, there's a bunch of ways you can kind of interact with us, and we 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 do want this to be a conversation yeah. starter. We want you to interact with us, like, you know, so whether that's like getting on Facebook or or other social media platforms like Instagram and just like dropping some comments about what what we talked about, yeah. like we want to hear that because we don't want this to be a conversation we just have and then we go about our day. And we put it up on iTunes and people just kind of say, oh, that's nice to listen to. We want it to be something that yep. is generative, yep. right? Um, like we talk about, we want it to be something that matters more than just for the three hours that we're hanging out. Right. Um, Email that, us, send yeah. us video. I mean, what, you know, yeah, we're just, uh, we're open. So, um, yeah, the hope is that this stuff get, you know, conversations get internalized, uh, that, that, uh, that you know more about people that need to be known in, in ways that, that I think uh, accommodate or enhance um, possibilities definitely and so yeah so keep continue to uh, look to support us our new website we keep saying it it's a little bit in it's a little bit in flux um, but it's coming <laughs> for sure coming which soon. will give you more information about a lot of what we have uh, on the horizons uh, for Shaco art space and um, we have some interesting artists coming up uh, in future episodes of Chaco art speak so Ashlyn Browning is coming we have a three-person exhibition happening uh, that Ashlyn will sort of be headlining um, we'll be talking with Sterling Hunley, uh, a pretty incredible illustrator, um, in, in, uh, several other people, but just in the short term, that's sort of what's coming next. 
So uh, continue to like and share and, and, and just spread the word and share in the podcast. We appreciate all the love that we're getting. Yeah, uh, fantastic, and, y'all. And just the interest. So, so thank you. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.